This week on Geek Explained, the grand finale of Anna May brings back all previous guests we've had so far for a roundtable discussion on our top five favorite anime of all time. Welcome back to Geek Explain. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is the grand finale of our month-long series, Anna May. You get it. You get the joke by now. It's been four weeks. Um, I'm not going to lie to you folks. I've been feeling a little under the weather as I'm recording this right now. Um, nothing too serious. I was feeling a little... Um, achy uh, I, I just think I wasn't hydrating enough so if I seem a little off um, I am slowly slowly recovering uh, I feel a lot better I was having a really rough uh, night before but uh, most of the body aches has gone away just a little bit of a headache so if I uh, if I sound a little off like I said I'm just trying to beat whatever bug I had the night before, but um, I'm really excited. I'm really excited about this week's discussion. Um, it's bringing back all three of our previous guests, Kanan, John, and Dustin, to talk about our top five anime of all time. We also have our latest weekly review on the newest episode of Harley Quinn Season 2, and of course, this week's comics callback with a very special announcement within that segment as well. But before we get into all of that, let's check in with this week's news. Alright guys and dolls, so we got some news for you this week. Not a whole lot of news, not as much news as last week, but the news that we do have is a pretty big deal. Uh, we're going to go ahead and kick things off. We have our four categories, film, TV, comics, and miscellaneous. No miscellaneous news for this week, maybe something next week. But we're going to kick things off with our comics news. One just big piece of comics news. Um, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, how Tom Taylor was teasing something with Superman. And, um, I am a little disappointed, but, um, it was revealed that this tease was in fact another spinoff for Deceased entitled Deceased Hope at World's End. Uh, it's basically taking place, uh, in between the time skip between issues four and issues five of, uh, Deceased. There was this big time skip between the issues where they were, like, gearing up to fight this war against the undead, and then in issue five, it's like, all right, the war failed, so we gotta try and get everybody off the planet. So, um, this, this maxi-series, which I guess is supposed to be bi-weekly, 12 issues, or 14 issues, something like that, um, is supposed to chronicle the time in between that. So, um, it's interesting. Uh, Tom Taylor, from what I understand, is bringing in a different artist for every uh, issue, which I think is cool. Uh, the first issue is already out. It's on digital. Um, I did read it. Very good, of course, because Tom Taylor knows how to write his characters. Uh, this, this issue put a big focus on the Super Sons, which was great. 
Um, but I, like I said, I'm, I'm a little disappointed. I really wanted Tom Taylor to be on the main, um, Superman book. Um, so I can't, I can't hide that I'm a little disappointed. He did say recently on Twitter that, um, he does have something else in store as well, which could be Superman, but at this point, I don't want to get my hopes up because I was super let down by this. Um, and that's not to say that, uh, Hope at World's End is a disappointment. I'm down for anything having to do with the deceased line at this point. I guess we can call it a line now, since we've got um, deceased, unkillables, which had its final uh, issue released last week. Um, now, Hope at World's End, and then we've got Dead Planet coming later on in the summer. So, the whole line of deceased books is continuing, and I'm here for it. I just wish that Tom Taylor. Uh, would be put on Superman because he knows how to write the character and he really knows. I, I I think that he would be the person to kind of right the wrongs that, in my mind at least, in my opinion, that Bendis has made during his run on the character. But moving on over to TV news, we have the uh, premiere of Stargirl. Uh, the first two episodes are up on the DC Universe app and they're being simulcast with, um, with uh, CW as well. Um, they, they're good. So far, I've been really enjoying it. Um, just a little mini review. If people want me to do a more in-depth review on Stargirl, just feel free to let me know and I can do that. Um, maybe in like a Geek Explained Extra series or whatever. But um, it's good so far. It's giving a lot of love to the JSA, which I'm, of course, excited about. But um, the series basically takes place uh, 10 years after the fall of the JSA being basically defeated by this group of villains and now um we pick up with our new lead courtney who you know, kind of stumbles onto the staff of starman and from there they kind of go they're also in blue valley nebraska which gave me hope for just a moment that we would see wally and that wally would pop up but um it looks like it's not to be this time uh but the show is good it's definitely a specific style of show and that means you know it's it's very much a cw show it feels that way the production value is a little bit higher it's a little bit more cinematic but overall um if you're familiar with kind of the tone and the vibe of the cw dc shows this is going to be right can be nestled right in there um which i guess makes sense since now effectively uh star girl is taking place on on uh, earth 2 of the cw multiverse so we'll see but overall, I've been enjoying it, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the episodes. Now, the other piece of TV news is a big piece of news, and that is also having to do with the DCCW universe. Uh, Batwoman has officially just lost its lead. Ruby Rose will be exiting the show after the conclusion of the first season, and it looks like Kate Kane's going to need to be recast. Um, there have been different reports kind of floating around all over the place, uh, it's it seems like kind of a mutual thing um it from what i've been hearing there's different accounts of like oh you know ruby rose uh was worried about her health she's already had to get a like a pretty serious surgery due to um an injury that she picked up while filming one of the stunt people died um but it's also, you know, people are also saying that it could be for more, you know, business reasons. This was the first time that Ruby Rose was really in a leading capacity. She's been on other shows before, like Orange is the New Black, but she was more of a supporting character, and she wasn't really 
um, there for a long time. And so some people are saying that it's due to kind of the grueling schedule of her having to be the lead and her not wanting to do that. And then still other people are saying that it's because she wanted to continue being in films and she felt like being the lead on this would kind of ruin her, um, I guess, her appeal to uh, film people. I guess um, being an actor, like I, I kind of get that, you know, the film and the TV uh, industry while being very similar um, can have a pretty harsh barrier between the two. And it's hard for like, say film actors to really make that same kind of success on TV and vice versa. So I guess I could see it that way, but overall, you know, it's it is what it is we just kind of have to keep moving on i thought that ruby rose really grew into the role she didn't feel um quite like she got it at first but i feel like she got more comfortable as it went along but we're gonna have to start the search all over again um some actresses have stepped forward to kind of campaign for themselves the one i'm really excited about is stephanie beatriz um i think she would be perfect if that name doesn't ring a bell for you. She plays Rosa on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, she's already talked about how much she really wants to play the character. I think she would be perfect for it. Uh, she's got that badass, you know, just watch Rosa on <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's essentially Kate Kane. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I will keep my eye on the situation as it develops, but we will be seeing a new Kate Kane going into season two. And um, that's really interesting, I think. Uh, moving on to film news. First off, a new trailer for Tenet. Uh, this is Christopher Nolan's next film starring uh, John David Washington as well as uh, Robert Pattinson, his uh, final film role before he gets lost forever in the Batcave. Uh, I... You know, I watched it. I still don't know what the hell is going on in the film, and I think that's a good thing. Um, I'm excited for it. It looks great. The cinematography is fantastic. The acting is great, and the visuals are just stellar. I'm really, really looking forward to this. Again, I have no idea what's happening or what the film is going to be about, and I think that's a good thing. So, um, yeah. But our big story, the main story of the week... Um, is a story that I didn't think I was ever going to report on, and that is that um, the Snyder Cut is officially happening. Uh, after a like um, like a watch along party for Man of Steel, Zack Snyder announced that uh, HBO Max will be debuting the Snyder Cut in 2021. Uh, this is a big get for HBO Max. They've been needing something big to compete with, you know, other streaming juggernauts like Hulu and Netflix. But um, this is a huge deal. It's a big deal for people who are um, really into the Snyder Cut cult. Um, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad for the people who really wanted this. Congratulations. Um, I don't think it's going to make a lick of difference just because it's, you know, we've moved past it. But um, this is good for the people who loved it. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for Zack Snyder, who gets to show the world what his original vision was. I, you know, I've read through what his original vision was, and I'm not really impressed by it. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. They apparently have to do $30 million worth of post-production to get it, you know, to be viewable, I guess. So we'll see what happens. It is supposed to release next year. And um, I'm not, like I said, I I have kind of moved past Snyder's DC EU. 
Um, I'm looking forward. Really, I've been really enjoying the DC films the last couple years, and that I think feels like a different direction than they were going. Um, so I don't really have, you know, I don't I don't have high expectations for it. I might, you know, I might watch it. We might do an episode on it, but who knows? I don't have a whole lot to say beyond that. Um, yeah, I I I I don't know. I I feel like because I get um, I get accused sometimes of being overly positive about stuff um to the point of you know people being like oh well you know eric eric liked it but that doesn't really mean a whole lot but i i don't know i am i'm cautious about this because i really wasn't a fan of the original justice league um i wasn't really a fan of batman v superman um i think that there are a lot of um problems with Zack snyder's vision of the dc universe we've talked about it before i think that Zack snyder fundamentally doesn't understand the dc characters and really wants to just tell a story that he wants to tell with the trappings of those characters so we'll see we'll see what happens as we get closer to what the official release date will be but that does it for the news now uh normally we would head right on into the uh, main course, the entree, if you will, of the episode, but because this is a giant-sized roundtable discussion, as we do with most of our giant-sized episodes, I'm going to roll straight through our other two um, segments, and then we will you know, kick off the roundtable discussion at the end of the episode, and that's going to take up the bulk. But before we jump into everything, just wanted to give a quick shout-out to John. He is one of our featured guests this week and was the second guest for Anna May. Uh, by the time that this episode drops, he will be making his way from L.A. down to Tucson, Arizona. So I just wanted to wish him, Taylor, Michaela, Chris, and Angelica safe travels, and we will see each other again down the road. And now, on with the show. It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And right now we're reviewing season two of Harley Quinn, specifically episode eight entitled Inner Parademons. Para being in parentheses. Um, this is, I think, at least for me, kind of a polarizing episode because it takes um, kind of the uh, initial cliffhanger from last week's episode where Harley and Ivy kiss for the first time um, and runs with it in a different direction than I thought they would. Um, really, the crux of the episode is uh, Gordon versus Harley. Uh, Gordon has just successfully taken back the GCPD from Two-Face and is trying to, uh, I guess, uh, tell the president, like, hey... 
you know, you can bring the you can bring Gotham City back into the U.S. And the president was like, well, you know, you've still got Harley Quinn on the loose. So you take her out and then we'll bring her back. So Gordon's whole thing this episode is gathering an army to face off with Harley. Uh, meanwhile, Harley is looking to find an army of her own because she needs something to distract her from the moment that her and Ivy shared. Um, this episode doesn't immediately pick up where the uh, last episode left off. It's been a little bit of time, and the two are being very awkward about it, uh, to the point that Harley feels like she has to kind of overcompensate for the fact that Ivy, um, it, we don't really know how Ivy feels about Harley. We know how Harley feels about I Ivy at this point, but... Harley feels like she needs to get her mind on something, so she is going to take over the rest of Gotham and will kill Gordon if necessary. And so she needs to find herself in her own army. And Dr. Psycho provides her with the means to get that army, specifically going to the show at the Iceberg Lounge of one Mr. Miracle, um, which I loved. I thought it was great. We got to see Mr. Miracle doing his thing. Um, they stole his mother box and boom tubed up to Apocalypse, which um, I'll talk about in a second. But on the B plot, Ivy is finally meeting uh, Kite Man's parents. And uh, this was an interesting thing because uh, Kite Man is known for being kind of a D-list villain and really is... I mean, still the greatest villain of all time, but um, it's he's kind of known for being unremarkable. And so it's kind of interesting, I thought, to show that his parents actually have powers. Uh, both of his parents have superpowers and they were incredibly disappointed that Kite Man or Charles, because his name is literally Charlie Brown, um, he didn't have powers. And so they go to have brunch with his parents. Ivy really kind of razzles and dazzles them. And they fall in love with her, but Ivy realizes that uh, Charles's parents have been treating him like shit for most of his life. And so uh, she gets this kind of moment cathartically where she basically tells them to F off. And she's like, you know what, you know, regardless of what is going on, Kite Man's a good person. You don't uh, deserve to have him being so nice to you and trying to gain your approval because he doesn't need it. He's a better person. You know, he's better off without you. And so they get to have that nice moment. Meanwhile, on Apocalypse, uh, Harley and Co. meet up with Darkseid, who is voiced... Oh, man. I am so excited about this. Um, I think his name is... Uh, oh, man. I should have written this down. Um, Jeffrey Ironside? It's Michael Ironside? I'm going to say it's Michael Ironside. Um, Michael Ironside, who voiced Darkseid in the uh, Superman the Animated Series and the subsequent uh, Justice League series, returns as Darkseid, and I loved this. I absolutely love his voice for Darkseid. It's so good what he does. I, I just loved it. But basically, uh, Harley has to duel with Granny Goodness to get, the, to get her scepter so that she can take command of the Paradine parademon army and uh during this duel dr psycho cheats and allows harley to kill uh granny goodness which gives her not only uh granny's scepter but also command over the legions of parademons at dark side's disposal so we go into all-out war with harley bringing her parademon army to gotham against gordon's you know kind of homebrewed army and it's a massacre. It's a legit massacre where parademons are just dropping out of the sky, killing people. 
And this, for me, I'll be honest, felt like it kind of jumped the shark. Or maybe it's jumped the kite. Um, either way, like, it's... I felt like it was too much. The thing that I really like about Harley Quinn is how they take the trappings of how grounded and uh, street level, maybe not grounded, but street level uh, Harley Quinn is and really worked with what they had to tell great stories. And I feel like with this, it almost felt like they were trying to expand too far out, which I guess could be, you know, a um, kind of a storytelling device to show how far out of her comfort zone Harley is willing to go to, I guess, like hide or um, uh, disassociate herself from her feelings with Ivy. But I just, it felt like too much. I was watching all this death and destruction and I was like, ah, it's not really for me. Um, Harley really shines when she takes uh, interpersonal character, or the show really shines when it takes interpersonal character moments and puts them up against the trappings of Batman's Rogues Gallery. And this just, it felt like, um, it felt like, you know, Michael Bay, Zack Snyderisms, bombast for bombast's sake. And so I was glad to see Harley break the, um, the scepter over her knee, sending all the parademons back to Apocalypse. Um, and also forcing Dr. Psycho to quit the team because he was so behind the, the you know, world domination aspect of the Parademons that when Harley gives it up, he is just disgusted and he leaves the team. And uh, Harley is about to confess her love for Ivy and then she just, you know, Kite Man shows up and he's Kite Man. And so Harley is just like, we got to play in your bachelorette party. And that's where it kind of ends. So, like I said, I'm glad that they kind of got rid of it so we can get back to smaller, more intimate stories. But this just felt like such a weird left turn after the promise of last week's episode that I am kind of going to erase this episode from my memory when it comes to kind of reflecting on the entire season because it felt so different and so um, away from the true heart of what the show has been so far. And don't get me wrong, the show has been absolutely fucking ridiculous. Like, it's been really, like, really out there, but in the sense that these are characters who um, don't travel across the universe to meet new gods from the fourth world. So I'm excited for next week's episode, which is going to be focusing on the actual Bachelorette party. Uh, the teaser image from the from next week's episode also shows Harley and Ivy in bed together. So we're going to continue the Harley-Ivy slow burn romance. Um, but I am curious and also a little sad from a boy kite man because things just will not end well for him. We can all kind of see it. So I'm um, looking forward to next week's episode and hopefully it will kind of eclipse my feelings on this week's episode. Um, so stay tuned next week for that. But for now, we're going to roll right on into this week's Comics Callback. <laughs> Welcome back to this week's Comics Callback. This is a segment of our show where I talk about five comics that I think you should go back and read. Whether it's on Comixology, the DC Universe app, or just going back to your shelf and dusting off your old copy of the book. Last week, we talked about five comics featuring the Green Lantern in celebration of his 80th anniversary. This week, category is Memorial Day. Now, 
Memorial Day is, uh, as of this recording, uh, this past weekend, and as a military brat myself, kind of being brought up in that uh, military family lifestyle, um, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, Fourth of July, those are always really important um, holidays in my life and have been all the way through my childhood. So this week we're going to be talking about five comics that both kind of celebrate as well as take a more introspective look at members of uh, our armed forces that existed on the pages of comic books. Uh, They're not all going to be happy-go-lucky stories just because um, military life is not always happy-go-lucky, but these are stories that I think really challenge the form and also give you more more of an insight into what it's like to serve your country and So we're going to go ahead and dive into the list, uh, starting off with Punisher Max, uh, written by Garth Ennis, with art by Derek Robertson, Luis LaRosa, and Leandro Fernandez. Uh, This is a very dark story. (laughs) I talked before about um, dark stories. Uh, This whole line, the Marvel Max line, was really kind of made to be the, uh, the mature reader's line for them. And I think that this is pretty much as mature as it can get with that line. This this story uh, takes place during the kind of the origin uh, of Frank Castle's The Punisher and also reaches back a little bit further. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. We'll talk about the book. Experience the gritty and uncompromising Punisher Max from the very beginning. When a mob hit killed his beloved wife and children, Frank Castle became the Punisher, an unstoppable one-man army waging war on every piece of criminal scum plaguing New York's streets. But do the Punisher's origins trace back even further? In 1971, Vietnam, Captain Castle's platoon faces a Viet Cong attack, and to survive, he must make a grim choice. Then, Punisher's old partner Microchip, long thought to be a casualty of Castle's War, resurfaces with a startling offer. So, uh, this really is kind of the heart of what the Punisher is. He's very dark, he's very haunted. And what this does, because the original collection collects both uh, the... Punisher Max 1 through 12, as well as Punisher Max Born 1 through 4. And that specific four-issue series is what it talks about at the beginning of the synopsis where he's talking about you know his time in vietnam and it's a really interesting look it's a tough subject uh even today vietnam is still a really touchy subject and it's super complicated and i feel like it gets more complicated as time goes on but you can't really think about marvel and military service without thinking of frank castle who is a vietnam vet and the story in born in those four issues is fascinating because it really gives you a deep dive into who frank castle is and sows the seeds that you know, not just the death of his family drove him to become the Punisher. There might have been something else a little further down. So it's a fascinating story. It's very dark, but it is a great look at Frank Castle. Next up, we're sticking with Marvel for a little bit, and we're going into Captain America Truth, 
Red, White, and Black. Now, this is a book that I don't think a lot of people know about, and that's unfortunate. Uh, it's written by Robert Morales with art by Kyle Baker. Um, I'm just going to dive into the synopsis, and then we'll talk a little bit about the book. In every war, people demand their champion. In World War II, that hero was Captain America. Truth is the controversial, declassified story of the African-American men involuntarily subjected to the U.S. War Department's Super Soldier Project in a race to develop a serum that might turn the tide against the Axis powers, if the Nazis didn't get to it first. An epic spanning the time just before the attack on Pearl Harbor into the present day, Truth finally reveals the tragic sacrifice that a black infantry unit made for their country, and what those sacrifices mean to a white man named Steve Rogers. So this is a really interesting story. Um, not a lot of people know, know about it, which is a shame. Uh, we have our main character, Isaiah Bradley, who is essentially a super soldier even before Captain America. Um, we find out that prior to Steve Rogers becoming Captain America, getting the super soldier serum, the serum itself was tested on, um, unfortunately, black infantrymen who at the time didn't have a whole lot of say in the matter, which sucks. And it's very, uh, it's very complicated, just as much as uh, our last pick. Um, and in a lot of ways, even more so. But it's a fantastic and fascinating story about the sacrifices people make, about really how much went into the super soldier serum, the trials, the tribulations, um, and how that story affects the legacy of Captain America going forward. And I'm, I'll, I'll tease us. It's not the last Captain America story. that's going to be on here, but this really is a book worth checking out. The only reason that it's not a little bit further up on the list for me is the art. I'm not a huge fan of the art, uh, which is unfortunate because the writing here is so good. Um, I'm a very visual reader. If the art throws me off, the whole book kind of throws me off. Um, but that being said, the art not being exactly what I'd like it to be, the writing absolutely tells the tale and really sells the story in itself. So it's a fantastic book, especially if you're a fan of Captain America, definitely pick this one up. Next up, we're moving a little bit further ahead in time with The Sheriff of Babylon. Written by Tom King with art by Mitch Jarrods, this is a another complicated story. This is uh, taking place during the Iraq War, um, specifically in 2003. And, um, you know, let's just jump into the synopsis. We'll talk a little bit about the book. Baghdad, 2003. The reign of Saddam Hussein is over. The Americans are in command, and no one is in control. Former cop-turned-military contractor Christopher Henry knows that better than anyone. He's in the country to train up a new Iraqi police force, and one of his recruits has just been murdered. With civil authority in tatters and dead bodies clogging the streets, Chris is the only person in the green zone with any interest in finding out who killed him, and why. United by death but divided by conflicting loyalties, the three main characters must help each other navigate the treacherous landscape of post-invasion Iraq in order to hunt down the killers. But are their efforts really serving justice or a much darker agenda? So it's... Man, this is just Tom King at his highest. I know he's gotten a lot of flack for... Um, 
mostly just his Batman run, to be honest. Um, though I guess Heroes in Crisis was also very controversial. But uh, Tom King, I think, is one of the best writers going on today. And Sheriff of Babylon is something that he is, is it's his baby. Him and Mitch Jarrods came together for this uh, based off of the, um, the experiences that Tom King had while in Iraq during this time. Um, getting that kind of um, uh, real-life experiences infused into a super interesting story really sells this as something that is more than just your typical comic book story. This is the almost, you know, it's a story that's stranger than fiction, and I think that it's absolutely a, a book worth picking up. You can actually pick up the uh, deluxe edition, which collects the entire thing. It's 12 issues. It's wonderful, and it's supposed to be getting a sequel pretty soon here. I think at least next year, I think, is the, the projection right now, at least as of this recording, but it's a fantastic story that really dives into the casualties of war, um, the moral grays that come out of war and really how that affects the worldview of someone who really doesn't know anything else. So it's a great book and absolutely worth picking up. Now, the final two entries on this list are kind of a Captain America double feature. I think these books are great on their own, but also great together as a um, as kind of a pair. Uh, so first off, we're going to go with Captain America and Bucky, the life story of Bucky Barnes. Written by Ed Brubaker and Mark Andreco, with art by Chris Somney. Um, this book is fantastic. It's really about the relationship, the friendship, the camaraderie between Captain America and Bucky, how they met, how they became this crime fighting and war fighting duo, and really what happens when a kid like Bucky Barnes, gets embroiled in a war. And it's a really fascinating look at their relationship, about how they, you know, take comfort in each other as friends and as brothers during this conflict, how they, you know, go through meeting other uh, superpowered characters like the rest of the invaders and how their story ultimately ends in the, uh, in the war. So let's go ahead and jump into the synopsis. Think you know the story of Cap and Bucky's origins? Well, think again. The secret story of the early days of Captain America is revealed here, told from Bucky Barnes' point of view. What was Cap and Bucky's first mission together? What was the tragedy that happened on it that changed everything about who Bucky was? And what is the secret that connects the Cap and Bucky series to Cap's modern-day stories? So pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Um, this book is just fantastic. Like I said, the art is a huge factor for me. I love Chris Somney, but Brubaker is one of my favorite writers, especially in regards to Captain America. And the love that he has for the character really shines in this book. Um, it also being from the perspective of Bucky Barnes is also fascinating. It's a great look at their relationship, a great look at their service during World War II, and it pairs really nicely with our number one book of the week, which is Captain America, Man Out of Time. This is written by Mark Wade with art by uh, George Molina. Um, this is one of my favorite Captain America stories, bar none. It's just amazing. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis, and then I'll talk about this book. When the Avengers pull a frozen soldier from the sea, they bring back the living legend of World War II, a man whose memories of life 60 years ago are as fresh as yesterday. 
How will Steve Rogers adapt to the world of the 21st century? So I've talked before about something that really uh, bothered me about the Avengers movie in 2012. Um, And that is that they had an entire subplot of Steve Rogers trying to um, get acclimated to the 21st century. And they cut it for time, and I get it. They had a certain rhythm and a a uh, momentum that they wanted to keep moving forward with the film, but I will never forgive them for leaving out this subplot because one of the most fascinating things about Captain America is that he was a guy who in one second went from the 1940s to, depending on your continuity, the modern day. And watching him kind of deal with that, watching him um, get acclimated, learn about things, is one of my favorite parts of his character. And this story really deals with that initial, you know, six months to a year of him being, you know, found in the ice and thought out by the Avengers, joining them and also trying to find a way home at the same time. And so more than anything else, I think on this list, this book really deals with what it's like for someone who is, in essence, you know, remembering and honoring the past by trying to do his best in the present and it's so fascinating to me because there's an entire issue it's one of my favorite issues in the story where there's a lead from tony stark that he might be able to get home he might be able to travel back in time and the way the kind of twists and turns that happen in the story are so fascinating and it really you know does a great job in selling how amazing this character is and why he has stood the test of time to this day and why he is a shining example of military service in comics um so that is it that is it for this week's comics callback to recap we have punisher max volume one captain america truth the sheriff of babylon Captain America and Bucky, the life story of Bucky Barnes, and Captain America, Man Out of Time. I recognize that this was a very Captain America heavy uh, heavy segment, but it's me. It's who I am. <laughs> um, but that's going to wrap up this week's comics callback. Now, um, I did tease a little announcement. Comic shops are starting to open back up. We're starting to see at least DC Comics starting to slowly roll out books again. Marvel is kind of doing a bi-monthly deal where they'll like release new comics one week. They'll release like trades the next week and then new comics um, every other week, basically. Um, so are we moving back to the comics countdown or are we going to stick with comics callback for now? I have made the decision to continue the comics callback for at least the month of June. So we're going to keep rolling. Um, I've been really enjoying getting to go back and kind of collect five different uh, books for every category. And I've been really enjoying it. If you have categories you'd like me to... um, include on this segment you're gonna get at least four more chances so um i'll probably you know take stock of what's going on with comics as we get towards the end of june and then i'll make a decision as to whether i'll continue it on with july or whether we'll go back to comics countdown i do enjoy doing comics countdown just because uh, it allows me to talk about the books that i'm excited about that are currently going on um but I also like doing the comics callback because I get to go back onto my shelf and look at comics that maybe I haven't taken a look at in a little while. So um, for now, we will be continuing 
comics callback through the month of June. And uh, so tune in next week for the next uh, installment of comics callback. But for now, we're going to roll right on into the main course, the Andre, if you will, of this episode, uh, which is going to take us all the way to the end of the episode. So there won't be our traditional wrap up segment at the end. We're just going to go straight through uh, into the round table discussion and, uh, Basically taking all of our former guests, John, Dustin, Kanan, uh, and setting them down and letting them talk about their favorite uh, anime of all time. Mine too. We're going to be talking about our top five anime of all time. I'm really excited about this. It's a giant-sized discussion with three good brothers and three of the foremost minds when it comes to anime in my circle. So here we are, the final installment, the grand finale of Anna May. I think it's time to blow this scene, get everybody in the stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, it's jam. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the final installment of what we've been calling Anna May, because it's, because it's, and you get it, you've been through the entire month, you know, it's, you know what's going on. So, for our final episode of our newest month-long series, I figured we would take a full-on retrospective look at pretty much everything that we've talked about, and that includes bringing in all of our guests. The first week, we talked about an introduction to the genre. The second week, we talked about the evolution of the genre over the course of time. And in our third episode, we took a look at how anime has influenced film and vice versa. This week, we're bringing back every single guest from every single week to talk about our personal top five anime of all time. And so, without further ado, bringing back our returning guests for this. First, from the intro to anime episode, we have Kanan. Welcome back. Hello. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> From our second week's episode, The Evolution of Anime, we have John Noble. John, welcome back. I'm done already. I'm done. <laughs> and finally, from last week's episode on anime and film, we have Dustin Reefer. Dustin, welcome back. Hello, thank you. I have no cool intro thing to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, we are here. We have been waiting. The world has been waiting to find out what our top five anime of all time are. Now, first off, before we get into this, did anyone have trouble coming up with their list? Extremely. Uh, it was extremely difficult doing this. <laughs> Why did you... You mean Why? wanting to put every single anime on the list? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I had a really tough time. My first my initial list started off with 15. I had 15 on the list and I was like, okay, now I got to narrow this down. I narrowed it down to 10 and then I got it down to 7 and the 7 into the 5 was the hardest transition because there were just there were two that I really was fighting back and forth the entire time, but 
I finally got my my top five. Everyone here has their top five. Before we get into the official lists, does anyone have any honorable mentions? Kanan, we'll start with you. SpongeBob. <laughs> All no! right. All right. John, not... well, John, now to you. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't. Oh, I'm going to let our listeners know that this is uh, this is most likely going to go off the rails very quickly. Because we, uh, we we all, we're getting together, we're talking about something we're passionate about. So there will be tangents, there will be conversations, there might be arguments. You will just have to wait and see. But, uh, Kanan, did you have any honorable mentions for your list? You know, I don't have one now, but I can guarantee I will by the time everybody else has talked about theirs. <laughs> Perfect. John? Um, one that just, like, sprang into my head right away is uh, Mob Psycho. Uh, oh. I, c- I couldn't put... I couldn't find a way to put it on my top five, but it's one of the ones that definitely like uh, had trouble um, like not putting it on there. But I don't know. I just love I love the characters. I love the premise, and I love uh, uh, one of my top five is actually uh, kind of similar in a way because it deals with like spirits and like uh, Japanese yokai and everything, and like uh, so I'm like really into that stuff. And I don't know the characters in it uh, in Mob Psycho are really fun. So I've heard of Mob Psycho, but I don't know exactly what it's about. For anyone who doesn't know what it's about, can you give us like a brief premise on it? Um, so it's about this uh, character who is, uh, his name's Mob, and he's extremely strong. Like, like OP kind of level strong. Um, but having all this power doesn't mean he's like the coolest guy at school. He's like he's the quiet one his brother's the cool guy he's he just he's like really shy and stuff and he likes this girl and it's really cute and uh like he has all this power but he has no like social he wants friends and he doesn't have any it's really sad but he's also super overpowered and helps us uh i can't remember his like master's name but he works at a spiritual uh detective agency uh, thing and um, they go out and they exercise spirits for people for money and um, that's kind of like his 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 thing what he does so it's just nice. really cool and the world is interesting and the powers are uh, very interesting but I think overall mob is like you don't see a character like that in anime a lot gotcha well Dustin do you have any honorable mentions yeah uh, I've I... It has like two different names because like the light novel or manga has a name and then the series is different. So it's a uh, Grimgar, uh, Fantasy and Ash or Ashes and Illusions. It's uh, this dude knows way uh, more about anime than I do. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it's uh, a classic kind of like uh, people get put into a fantasy world sort of thing, but they 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 know they're not from that world, but they can't remember. The other world which is obviously like earth basically so they'll know things they'll say like phone and they'll be like but wait like what is that um mm. so it's cool that it's, it follows a group of um people that are kind of like the outcasts they're not particularly strong um so they kind of you get to see the struggle of people kind of in that world that have to like basically hunt monsters for a living like it literally starts off with the uh, group of, I want to say, five or six people fighting a singular goblin. 
and they have extreme difficulty like taking it down like <laughs> when, like when they're swinging the swords like you, you you see the weight of it that they have like if they go and they they try and catch it in the mud or something or treat like it, and the weight of like holy shit like not only are we fighting for our lives but these creatures are fighting for their lives and that realization like this is a battle to the death and kind of the, i guess fear that uh goes along with that so it's really cool that um, is cool can you i'm sold can you repeat the name again so i can write it down on my envelope uh i i think the anime is grimgar of uh fantasy and ash so while they're going through that i'll do my uh my honorable mention uh it's and I know I'm going to butcher this, so I'm just going to say it. My honorable mention is Hajime no Ippo. Now, Hajime no Ippo is a sports manga. And now, before you all jump off because it's a sports manga, it is something that I I fell in love with very quickly. It's, it's a boxing anime. And basically what it is, um, it's about this guy Ippo, who is basically brought into the world of boxing. And you get to see him grow through that through that sport learning how to fight when he starts the show he doesn't know how to punch his first punch they show him punching this little like punching bag and he's like eh but like the reason that the trainer brings him on is because he has this ridiculous upper body strength like he's incredibly strong and so you get to see over the course of this series him slowly growing as both a fighter and as a complete uh, person, so you get to see him grow from this kind of um, smaller, shyer kind of person into this really great fighter, and you also get a fantastic supporting cast. The other boxers at the gym, who are so good, some of them are incredible, and it's really a progression of both trade and uh, character. So I really enjoy it. It's um, it's just a fantastic, fantastic anime. Now, Kanan. There we go. I'm here. There you and guess go. what? I've got an honorable mention now. Kanan, Kanan, give me an, your honorable mention. This might be a bit elusive, but it's Grimgar Fantasy Nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so real quick, I was like, I was panicking. I was like, what's my honorable mention? I've got to have one. And I literally, okay, literally Googled a list. I was like, most popular animes, and um, I felt like an idiot when I finally realized what my honorable mention is, and that's uh, an anime called Cased Closed. Oh, oh Cased, Cased, I Cased love Closed. Cased I didn't say that right the first time. Um, the reason why, in particular, that it's like it it stands out so well in my mind is I think we talked about in our first episode that like my first anime was Naruto when it aired on Cartoon Network. And pretty soon after that, um, I would stay up really late. Hold on, can I have... Can, I, know, I know I talked about this. Can I have two honorable mentions? Because they were late and it'll be short. Ugh, fine. Okay, <laughs> thanks. I really appreciate it. Well, he gets two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to have as much to say about either of them, John. Anyways, um, but... I didn't, like, know about Adult Swim until it just happened to me, and I, like, woke up in the middle of the night while I was, like, staying at my mom's when I was a kid, and I, like, turned on the TV, and 
there was an anime on it. It was an episode of Case Closed, where you know he was he was solving like this murder in like a karaoke room, and it was just I was enthralled. So. Um, the short of it is, is that Case Closed is about, like, this high school kid who's a detective and he helps the police and he's, like, really skilled and kind of a smug and arrogant asshole. And in, like, investigating something he, like, sees while he's at, like, a carnival with his girlfriend, he ends up getting jumped by members of this shitty organization that give him some kind of drug that reverts him back to the body of, like, a child. And, um, so he's on this quest to figure out and, like, dismantle this shady organization and also get his body restored back to what it was. And all the while, he's working as a kid detective, basically, um, pulling the wool over everyone's eyes and, uh, <clears throat> uh, hovering around his girlfriend and her father, who's kind of like this washed-out detective and um, there's all sorts of fun, wacky antics. Like, I remember distinctly one episode where he, like, knocks out her dad. And he's, like, propped in a chair. And he's got a little voice device on his wrist that makes him s sound like her dad. And he solves the case. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's really... That was, that was, like, the first anime that was not, you know, like, something that I saw on Cartoon Network. And the other honorable mention... Um, is Full Metal Alchemist, which I feel like I don't nice. have to explain to anybody, <laughs> which is why I wanted to mention it, because I also found that on Adult Swim when I probably shouldn't have been watching Adult Swim, and there was a period of my life in middle school where I stayed up every goddamn night till one in the morning just so I could watch the next episode, and um, yeah, those were like the two big gateways into like anime at large instead of just what was being funneled for me on Cartoon Network. Well, and I think, and I mean, I don't want to speak for everybody here, but I think at least for me, uh, my experience with Adult Swim is the exact same. You don't know about Adult Swim until you're suddenly watching Adult Swim. And <laughs> it was the same way. Like, I remember watching Case Closed and loving it because I was like, oh, he's like Sherlock. If Sherlock was like a little kid. And like, it's... It's, they're all great. All the shows that you've mentioned are really great. I'm going to have to look up Grimgar for sure and Mob Psycho. Um, Writing that down. But I guess now, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and head into our lists. So um, we have kind of a loose order that we're going to go in. I'll go ahead and do mine first and then we'll go around. Uh, so at number five, for what did you just say? <laughs> Nothing. I didn't say anything. <laughs> Lies, I feel like blood will be shed seat. today. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is going to be a brief period at the end where we're basically going to be able to shout down everybody's picks. So just get ready for that. Oh, get ready man. for your gladiatorial yes. combat. <laughs> I just Dustin feel like every time I say this. something, Dustin's going to be like, of course he would, you fucking tool. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be my only goal. Even if I don't believe it, uh, I'm just going to go along with it. My favorite part, side note here, is the jump from first from Kanan's first episode where he's like, oh, hell, wait, am I okay to swear here? <laughs> to Dustin's going to fucking punch me. Like, <laughs> You gave me permission. No, it but, would be, and it was it so funny to reject it. Because in John's episode two, he did the same thing where he was like, "Wait, am I okay to swear here?" <laughs> yes, it's safe space. <laughs> good. I promise so, there won't be an over reliance, over reliance, <laughs> over reliance on the swears. I'll pepper them in 
like garlic. Not pepper. And with you're that... gonna pepper them in like garlic, not not like pepper. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, John? All right, all right. We're start we're starting early here with the fist flying. Sorry. Okay, um, let's continue. My apologies and, for and derailing that's... everything. <laughs> And that's actually Fist Flying is going to bring me right into my number five, which at one point was a battle manga and slowly evolved into something else. My number five is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure was first created in 1987 by Hirohiko Araki. And I could spend the entire time on this episode. We could spend the next three hours trying to describe exactly what JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is. But at its core, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure really is a story about generations. Um, The first two parts are very much like your classic 80s battle manga, where it's like these huge hulking Schwarzenegger-looking guys fighting with, uh, for all intents and purposes, Chakra, called Hamon in... uh, in JoJo's, and it was very, you know, very basic. It was very much like a Fist of the North Star, Dragon Ball, in that kind of respect. But as the anime and the manga really started to grow and evolve, it became something else entirely. They introduced stands, they introduced all these different characters and all these different ideas that really evolved the anime as it went by. And really, I mean, a lot of uh, manga and anime today, like, owes itself to JoJo's and how it paved the way. If they're, if you've ever watched a show where people are using spiritual um, avatars to fight, that's JoJo's. If you've ever, like, watched an anime where people are using energy to, you know, punch really hard or kick really hard, that's JoJo's. Like, you've seen all of the influence that JoJo's has had, and every single part has a different... Uh, lead. Uh, first up, there's Jonathan, then Joseph, so on and so forth. Um, I actually, gearing up for this, I rewatched uh, part two, Battle Tendencies, and it reaffirmed my my love for Joseph Joestar. But the show really is great, and if you don't like one part, chances are there will be another part that you like because each part is so individualistic and so different on its own that it not only feeds into the greater narrative of jojo's but it also feels like its own isolated story so that is why it's at my number five i wanted to put it higher but there are specific things that aren't um that sometimes don't gel with me the first and rewatching part two um it's very much of its time um it's very much an 80s anime and in 80s manga, especially for those first couple parts, you know, we have Speedwagon doing the over uh, exposition on everything. Everything has to be weird. Um, the color palettes can be a little off-putting. But overall, it is so, so good. And it absolutely deserves that spot on uh, my list at number five. I'm now going to pass it on over to Kanan. Kanan, what is your number five? Now, first, before we get to that is your does everyone have theirs ranked like I do because it's totally not uh, required but I am the type of person who likes to rank things you know I I had no intention of ranking them and then I looked at my list for like five seconds and was able to make a snap decision that I, <laughs> I'm confident in it like I'm not just arbitrarily assigning numbers but like that's impressive in terms <laughs> of like <laughs> what has you know come up like I mean, just you know, the things that I probably, like, could talk about the most in a range. Um, so, I'm also... 
Eric, Eric over here is like, yes, this came out and was written and <laughs> produced by so-and-so in the year 1982. <laughs> and I'm like, do I have to know all that? I'm you don't to, You don't need to I'm trying to, to remember the stuff. names of characters. Like, like <laughs> all right. We're about to hit my number five. I better Google some stuff. <laughs> I anyone who has listened to this show knows that I am over. I am over um, analyzing anything when I do my notes. Like we did, you know, last week's episode, which was on the history of anime and film. Two pages of notes just dedicated to that, and just charting anime films. So <laughs> it is totally okay to not be as in depth on your notes as I am. I over prepare on my notes. But I will not be shaming you for not having as detailed notes as I do. Because only if we don't am... have them ranked, right? That's the only thing you're. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty much okay, it. Cool. If if you don't have them ranked, I'll shame you. But okay. like that's all. <laughs> so, Kanan, uh, rolling on in. What is your number five? My number five is Trigun. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um. So so Trigun is uh. Uh, show about a protagonist named Vash the Stampede and uh, right we're kind of going in uh, right I mean we just uh, let's assume that people don't know like I don't just roll through yeah, like Dragon no, just and go, then move on yeah okay. for sure <laughs> um, so it's about <laughs> it's about this protagonist named Vash the Stampede and I'm trying to remember he has a bounty on him and I think it's like a uh, hundred million double dollars or I think it's a bigger number than that but 60 he's billion like, double dollars Something like that. Thank you. Thank you, John. I think that's it. Um, and uh, he's like, just everyone reveres this name and are so scared of this guy. And I guess you could almost say that the protagonists are Meryl and um, I can't remember the other young woman's name. But these insurance suggesters that are like sent out to like find this guy and follow him because, you know, he's like just unchecked... Uh, uh, damage in a bottle and um, they find him in the first episode and they don't believe it's him because Vash is this goofball in yellow sunglasses and a red jacket and spiky blonde hair and he's just an absolute goofball um, and uh, so Vash goes around solving problems you know that he just stumbles into and um, slowly you get a bigger idea of why exactly he has this huge bounty on his head and um it's really it's really fun and um goofy as just like he is but there are moments of of tenderness and sorrow that are like really really profound for what you're watching they kind of come at you as a surprise like there's a two-parter where he's stuck on this train that's been hijacked by like these neon clad masked villains and uh you know vash carries you know his his big old gun and stuff like that and he shoots somebody um basically on accident and you know there's like this little boy who's like following him and he has like a complete mental breakdown because he doesn't want to kill anybody and he's just so distraught and um so by the time you finally get an idea of the bigger picture and what's going on and why it's called a trigun it's like oh yeah this is sad. And also, <clears throat> I had to look up his name. But, um... Wolfwood. It, 
It also, yeah, there we go. Thank you, Nicholas D. Wolfwood. Um, half the reason to watch Trigun, because nothing is cooler than a traveling priest with guns and a giant cross covered in 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 fabric and buckled with belts. And um, I love him. Uh, I also just want to point out that objectively, Trigun's English dub, given the time it was produced, is so it is uneven and it is bad, but. Johnny Young Bosch kills it, and I just listened to it because I love his portrayal as Bash. Like, love and peace! Like, I just, <laughs> I love him so much. And I was also startled to find out um, that, um, as will come up later, he also voices the protagonist for my number three pick, which is something I did not learn until I was Googling the voice actor <laughs> minutes ago. So that's going to be really cool. So yeah. Um, and that was another one that like, you know, by the time I had friends in high school that were like anime, I was like, oh, I know of some anime. They were like, here's more anime. And Trigun was one of the first ones I fell into when I had friends that also liked anime. So it's got a special place in my heart. Nice. Now, God, that's awesome. I, I need to rewatch Trigun. That's so good. Um, now, moving on to John, what is your number five? So, it better be number five. <laughs> you better have thought, it better really be your five. I'll find out. <laughs> for those of oh, you who man. don't know, John John and Kanan have been friends for a very long time. <laughs> and they so have I been apart for too long. So long time. You, you so little little bursts of brotherly love may happen throughout this episode. Be beautiful. It's okay, John. I love and support you. You can just pick whichever one you want to talk about. <laughs> so I did. But if it's anything did, on my list, I'll kill you. I did do a ranking system. Uh, so this one might be kind of like some people might see it as like a, a cop out or something like that because I feel like it's a lot of people's favorite and the whole story as a whole is super long and it was made in 1997 for the first manga and that is uh naruto um that is definitely uh my fifth favorite it was super hard to uh to come to that conclusion uh but i think naruto deserves a spot simply because um both naruto and naruto shippuden like as a whole the the story is as one one mass uh as you guys may or may not know, it's about a young ninja that <laughs> in the Hidden Leaf Village who has some tummy problems, and uh, and I don't know, just the story and the characters and the the fully flushed out world it feels like that uh, Naruto brings you is is something that I feel like other animes uh, definitely took from when it came to world building, just because. It is so, it's colorful, the, the characters are colorful, and, like, everything about it is, um, it's just super fun, too. Yes, the dub can be kind of annoying. I don't want to believe it every second. Uh, but, but uh, uh, I mean, the subs are, are good, the dub is good. I, I uh, to be honest, I did watch the dub uh, when I was younger and when I was older, but now I'm in, like, uh, Shippuden area, and I, I've only been watching subtitles, but, uh, but yeah, uh, Naruto, I think, is just um, just like kind of with Cowboy Bebop and its era, like Naruto definitely established something for uh, animes to continue uh, forward, uh, certainly in, in this kind of uh, like My Hero era and things like that. So yeah, Naruto, number five. Nice, man. Now moving on to Dustin. Dustin, what is your number five? 
I, I just have to say, it's definitely not a cop-out. Uh, Naruto, like, the character development, like, you're watching children grow up into adults. Yeah. And, like, you become attached to them. So it's, like, it, it, it's really cool, and it, it's really well done. Like, there's a reason mm-hmm. that um, so many people do like it. So, yeah. so It's no, the brotherly uh, nice. bond between, like, Naruto and Sasuke. Like, oh, you just, it, you you want Naruto to have his friend, and you, and you like, when they're fighting in that... Uh, and their big fight um, towards the end of right before Shippuden and, ev- and everything, uh, like he just wants a wants a brother, and they're both they're both lonely, and it's just you know it's they're both like each other so much, and it's a beautiful story. I wouldn't have fallen into anime without Naruto. Like there, I don't. It would have taken like another six years if it wasn't for. I mean, because it, it just made. I mean, bam! Like that. Even that first episode, like, just made such an impression when I was like a kid, you know. And there's a reason it went on for so long and is so popular. Like, you know, to and has a sequel series now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> to 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 not consider something because it's popular is for inane assholes who <laughs> don't like to find pleasure in things other people enjoy too. So that's my hot take. And I will die on that hill. <laughs> I love your hot take. Well said. Spicy take. Mm. <laughs> Got some garlic so Dustin, on that, on that now, take. So, Dustin, now, real... <laughs> oh, my God. Now, Dustin, is your is your list ranked? I said... I think you said it no. Is. Oh, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Is it, it another is anime ranked. I've never heard of? Because <laughs> no, I, I think most of these... I think most of these are... Um, well, I, I'm just a horror fan through and through. So, of course, one had to find its way. And I have only been able to find a few horror animes. Um, but Parasite, the Maxim. I watched uh, the first is... episode yesterday. <laughs> nice. It's it's so good. Uh, it, it follows... Uh, I, I, I'm going to butcher names. It's, it's Shinchi or Shinichi. I don't know the proper... Um, but he's, he's basically a, a high school student. He's pretty plain glasses. He's... You know, he's not strong he's afraid of spiders and um he ends up basically uh these aliens are like worm-like creatures come down to the earth and they're parasites they're trying to take over hosts and so in the middle of the night one tries to take him over he wakes up he stops it so it's only able to take over his arm instead of his brain so he now has to live with this parasitic creature as his arm like it controls his arm it's his until he like gets tired and has to go to sleep or like lets shinichi uh control it and the parasite's name becomes migi uh, or miji i'm not sure uh so it's it's really cool like watching their development of having to have to like live together like they both need to survive and then it's that parallel too between like human and animal like you know these guys eat humans so they take over humans and then eat them uh (laughs) so yeah he doesn't just want to let that fly he's like no i gotta i gotta call this shit out and and stop these people so it's a an interesting battle between migi uh having to survive almost having like being forced to battle his own kind at the same time not really wanting to and then also their kind of desire to take over earth and their their plans like they're able to get into like political leaders and stuff and pretend that they're them and um so it's really cool bloody gory awesome battles and just watching his 
development is really cool going from this meek kind of person and his personality changing for the better maybe maybe worse and it's really cool because you do get to see that point of view through someone who knew him and loved him um before he he got this um parasite taking over his arm Mm. wow that's super cool that that you know kanan made the joke right before about is this going to be another one that i've never heard of before and I've never heard of that one before, but I'm definitely going to be checking it out. Um, and and I think that's something that's great about like these lists because there is bound to be some crossover here and there. But I mean, this is, if nothing else, a great time for us to make checklists of what we're going to watch next. Yeah, so, I'm impressed it hasn't happened already because I just, <laughs> I guarantee we all have something on our list that we all have in common and i just i can't wait to get to talk about it first (laughs) (laughs) but i I, like that's an anime that i've always like had on like my um what peripheral but um parasite right is that what you're talking about Mm -hmm. okay i because i've seen so much of like the body dis you know like yeah and i've always been like like, head comes apart it's like the tentacle things yeah Yeah. i was eating yesterday when i first uh when i was like what is this i'm gonna put this on while i eat and then i was like i'm not hungry anymore (laughs) 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 no and i know i made a joke about it earlier but i almost i kind of hope everything dustin talks about is something i've never heard of because i'm just like i'm like parasite just you know like writing it down now um before we before we head into our number fours what does everyone think about these five our first number five picks so far i'm pretty like i like the range that we have here i mean we have some very like tentpole anime some you know that are a bit lesser known and all of them are i mean for the most part they're different genres like um naruto is a very different genre from parasite (laughs) which is a very different genre from trigun and back to jojo's i think it's really cool that the that anime can really like spread across different genres while retaining what makes it so great right well because i mean i feel almost like i mean i don't know like anime is almost its own medium in a way because we can talk about the range of anime as well as we can just talk about the range of, you know, television shows. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there are as many different television shows as there are different anime. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's almost its own little bottle. Its own little Absolutely. universe. Absolutely. So we're going to roll right on into our number four picks. Number four. <laughs> number four. Uh, my number four is a pretty popular one. Um, I am following in John's footsteps with a popular anime, and that is My Hero Academia at number yeah. four. Uh, first debuted in 2014 and has been ruling the world essentially ever since. Uh, created by Kohei Horikoshi. Um, this anime surprised me. I've talked about it on the podcast multiple times up to this point. Um, I, I even mentioned in the very first um, weekly review segment that I did on the first and second season how people have been telling me for years, for years, to watch this show. And I'm going to give you a little peek behind the curtain. It's all three of these guys. 
All three of these guys have been telling me to watch this show for years. It takes and a village. You a village of ninjas. You have a podcast dedicated to superheroes. I know. But I am I am so glad that I was finally um, I was finally brought into the fold when it comes to My Hero Academia. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on it because we've talked about it a bunch before. But I fell in love with this show and maybe i'm an easy mark for it just because i love comic books i love superheroes i love anime and so it's pretty uh it's not a hard sell but honestly the vast supporting cast the incredible animation the fight choreography the characters that you can latch on to whether they're villains or heroes it really is one of the most well-rounded anime that i've ever watched um that's something that you know we talked about in our um in our evolution of anime the idea of a supporting cast really not being something that was too heavily focused on in the past and as it's grown the focus on a strong supporting cast is so i guess not um not obvious nowadays but it's it's kind of a standard that you have to have and my hero academic my Hero Academia does it beautifully. There are characters that you can find that are that either you connect to way too much or way way uh, not enough. But there are characters here that will really like take you on a roller coaster. I just finished catching up on the uh, fourth season, and if my dear listeners, if you want me to do a uh, review on third and fourth season like I did for the first two seasons feel free to let me know um but yes. I, <laughs> but I I um I absolutely fell in love with the show from the first episode the story of Deku growing it's in the same way that I mentioned in my um in my honorable mention with Hajime no Ippo watching a character who has no um no, no real proficiency in anything pertaining to the important bits of your anime and watching him go through the trials and tribulations to become a hero is just it's fantastic storytelling and it's absolutely uh worth its place at number four on my list so moving right along kanan what is your number four well not for nothing but i think it's funny that i'm gonna follow up my hero with one punch man nice cool Cool. <laughs> um so <laughs> um for anyone not in the know um one punch man is the journey of a hero uh by the name of saitama who you know kind of like was reluctant and didn't really care about anything and then had this bizarre incident with uh what was remember that kid um, in the flashback, what was his outrageous bodily feature? He had like this huge chin or something. Oh, this like butt yeah. chin. Yeah, he had like a big butt chin. Um, this kid uh, provokes a giant half man, half lobster monster by drawing nipples on its body. And uh, the lobster man goes to kill the kid. And then like out of, out of the vast blue, Saitama is... You know, um, he he rises to the call and, like, manages to defeat this giant obscene monster and then, like, dedicates his life to becoming, like, a hero. And he is so good at being a hero that he just kills everything in one punch. Hence the title. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it has this really great um, supporting cast, the best of which is obviously Genos. 
um, who is just a precious baby cyborg boy who I want to shower with all the affection in the world. Um, but like, it's just, it's so great because the thing, you know, like my hero in one punch, the biggest impression they left on me when I watched them was, you know, living in this world where a lot of our pop culture zeitgeist is dominated by superheroes. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I enjoy it. And I'm sure everyone here does as well. And if you're listening to this, you definitely do. (laughs) But you know, it's really fun to see people take that sandbox and do interesting things with it so to make an anime that's like based on the thing people accuse superman of being which is overpowered it's really insightful and fun and like kind of meta and you know watching this protagonist who can defeat anybody in a punch and he's just so lethargic and feels empty inside because there's no challenge to it all like it's amazing you know in the shows like opus um, which I'm realizing is like a phrase I use way too much. There are too many opi in my in my words. But uh, the Sea King episodes that really like give you that beautiful juxtaposition between Mumu Rider and Saitama and the perception of power and heroism. And is it more heroic to have no power and still try than to be the most powerful person and do so? You know, and the way that Saitama, you know, has to basically fight society and other heroes to do what he wants to do. And, you know, the sacrifice he makes for his own public perception by like, oh, no, I'm just the guy that comes and pops the the pickle jar lid off. You know what I mean? Like, that's a kind of heroism that has nothing to do with his ability to beat the ever-loving shit out of anybody who threatens the planet. And it's just... Uh, and just and I just want to mention that I think my favorite moment in the series is when Genos is just exposition dumping the shit out of Saitama <laughs> and his pace just gets faster and faster and faster and then I grew up and it was my mission to defeat and it, it's just it makes so many jokes <laughs> at the expense of this thing that we love so much that are just like so poignant and so perfect um, <clears throat> you know I just it's it is a wild ride. I still haven't seen season two, um, but I, um, I, I'm I going to live and, uh, and die for this dub because I don't know his name. I haven't Googled it like last time, but the actor that does Saitama is just so perfectly deadpan and also all the visual gags are great. I'm sorry. I'm just, someone needs to play the Oscar music. I'm just going to keep talking about One Punch Man. Anyways, One Punch, One Punch, One Punch Man. One Punch Man. One Punch Man is very meta and very funny and has a big heart. And I love it. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. One Punch Man is fantastic. I will argue though that Genos is the best supporting character because Moomin Rider is the best supporting character in that show. We'll, we'll, we'll have a fight in the parking lot about it later. I mean, after, <laughs> obviously, we can go to parking lots. But moving on over to John, what is your number four? Um, my number four is a anime that I got in trouble for watching when I was younger. Um, uh-oh, yes. Uh-oh. It was one of the ones Ooh. I would stay up super oh, late yo, yo, for. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> Sorry, well, I can oh always no. uh, regret doing we got, that. We got some harm going so, on here, boys. No. Yeah. The anime is, I decided not to mention here. on this list, man. No, it's uh, it's because it had my, I grew up in a kind of uh, religious uh, family. And so this show, created by Rumiko Takahashi, I googled it, and, uh, and it's called Inuyasha. 
and Inuyasha ah. is uh, one of the animes that stuck with me from the very beginning, from like when I first uh, met my buddy who introduced me to all these animes. This is the one that me and him bonded over the most. Um, I, I, and I think Inuyasha is the reason why I love Japanese culture so much and like architecture and like the beauty of it. Like, um, it's about this girl named Kagome who falls down a well. And she ends up in feudal age Japan and where there's demons and spirits and like there's this there's this um there's a shard that they need to put back together. And she meets this uh half dog uh demon spirit guy named Inuyasha, and it's super cool uh what goes down with all that. And yes, he is very annoying at times, yelling the woman's name that he shouldn't be with. Um all the time. Because, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's a really good story. And I think the team is one of my favorite parts about it too, because it's, it's one of those animes where there's a, like, um, not only a focus on the main character, which I think is Kagome and then Inuyasha, uh, but there's also Sango, Shippo, and Moroku, who are all like, they make this team so beautiful and they have such amazing moments. And, uh, but one character that is my favorite from it, his name is Koga and he's the wolf demon. And he is the best. He's super fast. And that's who I would be when we played pretend in the schoolyard. Uh, so, yeah, um, Inuyasha. Because I love, and like the whole feudal age aspect of it, like all the spirits and the yokai, uh, coming back to Mob Psycho a little bit. Um, like, that's a reason why I think I like Mob so much, is because the the spirits and, and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, Inuyasha, man. Yeah, Inuyasha was kind of my first introduction to, like, feudal-era Japan stuff when I was a kid. And so I have a deep-seated love for that that show, even though Inuyasha's voice definitely does get a little gritty <laughs> at times. Oh, my first man. kiss was during an episode of Inuyasha. <laughs> Did you say Inuyasha? Did you scream Kagome after you... No, I didn't. I had no idea what it was, but what it was, what it was, but it was scary. I could, I, I'm sure that if we took like 10 minutes, John, and like I described to you vaguely what was happening, you could probably tell me what episode it was. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so moving right along, Dustin, what is your number four? Alrighty. My and number four. Why is it Steven Universe? I'm just kidding. Is I'm gonna your lie in April. Oh it no! Is... <laughs> uh, music just has had a huge impact on my life. It got me through life when I was younger. It's so important, and so this anime really portrays reaching out and and making people understand your feelings through music. And I know it seems kind of sappy and stuff, but it, it's really cool. It's it's really great. It follows uh, Kosei Arima. He's a basically a child piano prodigy who's kind of trained to be that way by his um, mother, who starts off dying, you know, within the first episode. That's kind of what's going on. And, um, and so she's basically doing it so he's prepared for the future. You know, he has something. And um, when she dies, he can no longer hear... The music he's playing so he can't really play anymore and he kind of just loses himself and his identity until he meets kaori 
who is in a playground playing i don't know the instrument but it's super cool it's basically like a piano that you like blow into with air uh and it plays i i should know the name uh and she's basically like playing having fun with children and it's kind of like this free spirit whereas uh kosei is really this technical and straightforward um person and so uh it's it's she's trying to get him to kind of do this again and relearn his love for music and, and be able to hear what he's playing and um yeah i, I don't want to spoil anything so i don't want to say too much more but but watching their journey and obviously of course he he immediately is falling in love with this person that you know may or may not love him back and it, it's i don't know it's just really interesting to see and and really it'll it'll speak to your heart oh my god <laughs> fucking thank you i have it's i am i am so fucking sold and this yeah, sounds better than sh- any nicholas sparks novel ever. <laughs> <laughs> i agree yeah. i i never heard of that, this yeah. before but just from john's reaction <laughs> like the moment like obviously listeners you can't see us on uh on screen as we're doing this but john was having like a mental breakdown <laughs> while dustin i was, was trying not to cry because the thinking just thinking about it makes me so want to cry it's, so it's obviously like a very emotional i'm excited oh God, to go yes. feel a lot of feelings whenever i go watch yeah what is it called and it's again? nice too it's on uh it's your lie in april your and it's actually april. on netflix too so oh, it's, nice. it's really oh, wow. uh accessible as well very cool Nice. Well, that wraps up our round four. Um, we haven't had any crossover yet, which is great. I'm Everyone's, shocked. I'm, I'm about very to shocked. Yeah, it's going to happen. I'm it's very shocked. Um, but we are going to round right into... Uh, could, I, could I say something about One Punch Man real quick? Please. And so, uh, Kanan, I, I love that you picked One Punch uh, because, for me, it's the first time I saw a character uh, struggle with being too strong. Like, uh, you, you, you never really saw that too often or him be aware of it or, like, not be cocky about it. Uh, he's just strong to be strong. And he's like, I want to have fun kicking butt. I don't want to win all the time or be, it be too easy. But one of my favorite parts in it is when he's fighting the mosquito. Not the, not the character, the woman, the mosquito on his back porch. The little mosquito. <laughs> <his> balcony. <laughs> yeah. That- <laughs> That's the one time he's been defeated so far. Well, and he's so like, I don't know. He's he's one of the most like relatable people, despite like his incredible power. Because he goes to the supermarket, he like chases down mosquitoes with like bug spray. Like he's frustrated at the fact that he's so strong, and so like any time that he really spends. Um, in the show is focused on his character not just him in his superhero persona Um, i love i also love when he revealed what how he became so strong he's like 100 push-ups like 100 push-ups 100 sit-ups a 10 mile run every single day and everyone's just like there's no way that's really what happened (laughs) he's just like shit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's so i just wanted to say uh no go ahead you finish your I, I i just think it's so funny how they breathe such life into a character who on paper wouldn't be very interesting but go ahead Tana. 
I just wanted to say, I know anime has not had a very good run of live-action adaptations. True. But I can sell you on a uh, on a One Punch Man live-action. Played by who? With one, with one casting choice. Are you ready? Do it. Rami Malek as Saitama. That would be interesting. I haven't seen him because in a of lot his of, eyes. like, comedic roles. But, <laughs> oh, his sharp, God. beautiful eyes. <laughs> oh, my God. No, he just he just has to be, like, just deadpan and oblivious, and I think he can play those things very well. It's hard not to think of his... Not that it's very funny or at all, but his role in Mr. Robot, like, just, like, the first time I watched the dub of uh one punch man i was like is that Rami malik like i was so fucking convinced for 15 minutes that he did the voice because it's just it just it, i i was so convinced but um but yeah that's that's the last thing i wanted to say about one punch man so we are gonna roll on into uh our number three picks and i will kick us off with full metal alchemist Debuted in 2001, written by Hiromu Arakawa. Um, really, you can go either way with Full Metal Alchemist or Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I was introduced. Brotherhood. Yes, I was introduced to the original show, <laughs> and so even though it is, you know, subjectively the inferior version of the story, I still have a de- a love and a nostalgic love for that show. Um, Basically, story centers around two brothers. It's about two brothers, uh, Edward, <laughs> two brothers, Edward, Edward, and Alphonse Elric, um, who, after failing to bring their mother back from the dead, uh, embark on the pursuit of the Philosopher's Stone, which is supposed to not only be able to bring their mother back, but also restore their damaged bodies. And just the world building that goes on in Full Metal Alchemist is incredible. They've made different cultures. They made uh, a whole uh, military complex around alchemy and the science behind it. And it was one of the first anime that I ever watched that really had a real deep like love for science and chemistry and like how things had to um, be put together for equal exchange. And the story that grows through it, the supporting cast... Um, Armstrong is one of my favorite characters. He's so ridiculous and flamboyant and over the top. Um, God, yes. But Roy Mustang was probably the character that I gravitated to the most. He is essentially uh, Edward's commanding officer, and he uses his alchemy to basically throw fireballs and cause explosions, and he's just such a cool character. But he, even though he is a fully formed character by the time the show starts... He goes on a journey. Every single character, whether they're minor or major, goes on a journey through this show and through this manga. And it's just fantastic to see. At the heart of it all, of course, is Edward and Alphonse, um, two brothers who, like, their their bond really is at the heart of the show. The fact that they are willing to do anything and everything to, you know, protect each other is something that I just fell in love with immediately there is an arc it's i think it only lasts an episode or two where alphonse kind of questions whether he's actually ed's brother or whether ed just kind of created him and it's heartbreaking because you see 
how much these two care for each other and how much they are willing to sacrifice for each other and they have like this confrontation in a hotel room and i i can't get through that episode without crying it's so heart-wrenching um and this is also a show that really featured heavy consequences people die people lose limbs you know people are corrupted and there's all sorts of serious and heavy stuff that i hadn't really been introduced to as an anime fan as at this point you know anime that i'd watched before it was like yeah they're dead but like we can bring them back and like it was very uh, 90s comic books in that way. And so getting a show and a story that had real consequence was scary. And it heightens every single conflict that happens in the show. It's something that I still gravitate towards whenever people are like, you know, I've been introduced to anime. I have like a loose understanding of it. I want to dive into something like more substantial. I always veer them towards Full Metal Alchemist because you, it's incredible. So that is my number three. Kanan, what is your number three? My number three is <clears throat> Code Geass, Lelouch of the Rebellion. Nice. Yeah, that was uh, that was another big anime I saw, I think, on Adult Swim. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, so it's, it's uh, set in an alternative timeline where... Um, Basically, Europe steamrolls through Japan and makes it part of its giant uh, empire known as uh, Britannia. And um, it follows those protagonists. His name is Lelouch, and he is an exiled prince. His mother was executed in a hail of gunfire when he was little, and um, <clears throat> the incident was so scarring to his little sister that um, she, uh, you know, she became blind and couldn't walk. And so he, you know, is in a high school in, uh, in Japan and, um, takes care of his sister and spends his free time, uh, smushing the egos of very powerful bureaucrats by playing games of chess against them until, you know, this inciting incident takes place with, um, you know, these, these, uh, guerrilla tactic, you know, um, uh, rebels, and a container with some very precious cargo that, you know, um, the Empire of Britannia wants back. Lelouch ends up getting involved and thrown into the middle of it. And it ends up being like, you know, this egg opens up and it's this young woman uh, with green hair in a very odd outfit. And she ends up giving him the power of Gios, which uh, allows him to, you know, in one instance with a person... Um, meaning that he can only use his power on a person one time before he can't ever do it again, but he can just give them a command and they'll do it. Whether that's to shoot themselves or draw a, a, a chalk X on a wall every day for the rest of their lives. Um, <laughs> uh, he's able to control them. And so he goes on this, uh, revenge kick to overthrow his evil father, um, with his newfound power and ends up, um, you know, taking this ragtag group of rebels and giving them someone uh, uh, to be led by, which is his alternate persona, Zero. And um, Zero has the best damn costume in all of anime, and I love the helmet so much. But um, it's really, 
It's really great. And um, the actor who apparently plays Vash the Stampede in the English dub is also the voice mm. of Lelouch. <laughs> and I didn't know that. Um, and of course, uh, there's also, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a robot anime because everybody has these like, you know, mech suits called nightmare frames and um his uh, you know a big part of the emotional uh you know um drama is that his best friend who is you know uh the son of like japan's like fallen leader um it ends up becoming britannia's like number one pilot and is in charge of protecting the princess of britannia and so like you know they're fighting each other all the time and you know his friend doesn't know it and it's um it's really it's really awesome <laughs> i mean i don't I've, I've i wish i had like this big poignant thing to say about it i mean it's just like this like suspense kind of like political thriller kind of thing that's like really enjoyable and um you know season two gets like even crazier and um i mean i remember finishing it a very long time ago so i'm a little rusty but like it's has a very nice um you know dramatic finish to it and uh yeah it also it has a really great theme song we haven't talked about theme songs but like (laughs) All of my picks are also there because they got some bops, man. For sure. Like, ah, man, I love, I love Code Geass's theme song. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. When I was first starting watching anime, I only chose them if their theme song was good. The opening theme was good. That's how I was like, this is a good anime. I'm gonna watch this. Well, and that's, I mean. Music, like you were saying, Dustin, earlier, like, has such a impact on you, like, your enjoyment of it, like, the kind of music that you like. And if you find an anime that, like, features music that you really gel with, that will normally be a good, uh, good um, parameter on whether you're going to like the show or not. Because I haven't run across an anime yet where I didn't like the soundtrack or um, I didn't like it completely. Like, if I like the soundtrack, I will most likely really enjoy the anime itself. So, moving on, John, what is your number three? So, we're going to get into crossover territory because mine is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure for my number three. Hey, nice. Um, I I love it because, uh, like, I got into it, like, two two or so years ago, um... Uh, and then I, I just recently started getting into the whole history about it. Um, I have some uh, good friends that really like it too, and we're, we're able to talk about it a lot. And um, But it's just, like you said earlier about it, the whole generation thing, I think that's so cool and so interesting to like, you know, uh, every I think it's like every other uh, JoJo, every other son, it's, there's a JoJo. And... Um, and it's just, I, you never see an anime do that when it's just, like, the same hero across time, except for, like, you know, the Avatar. Um, but then, uh, for me, I just love the creator a lot. Like, Iraqi's so interesting. He's, uh, he's a really good artist. You know, uh, a fun fact is that his, uh, a drawing of his Part 8 character is was featured in the Louvre in Paris for a while. It was next to the, Mo- it was next to the Mona Lisa. Um, that is a fun oh fact. He, uh, 
he was he takes a lot of his art style and like you know how jojo has uh, is famous for like their poses and their very masculine um like character designs and like the muscles and just the, the kind of flamboyance to it uh i think um yeah he takes it a lot from like greek um greek sculptors and like uh, stuff like that uh, baroque paintings and i think it's so cool that he did that and um, it shows in the anime and in the manga itself. Um, JoJo's the first anime in a long time where I was like, man, I got to know what happens next. So I started reading the manga. And now I'm on part seven and it's blowing my freaking mind. And Dio's so annoying. <laughs> um, and, and, but dude, <laughs> oh man, it's just, it's so fun. And like the powers and the abilities and how they explain them. I know like the the exposition and the context that Speedwagon always throws out, like can get annoying, but it's just like, thank you for freaking explaining that to me, man. Cause I was like, how the hell, how the hell is this even happening? How do you counter that? How do you win against that? But the, the cast of Jojo always figures out a way to beat these hardcore villains that have these powers that could alter reality almost. And it's, it's insane. Um, and I, I really like the whole stands. Uh, I love the stands. Jotaro's my my favorite. Um, uh, Stardust Crusaders is my favorite uh, arc in that in, in the whole show so far. But uh, Gio Giorno, he's a close second. Um, but yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful anime. The art style is different, um, and like you know, it's intense. It's 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 hardcore, and it's can be sad sometimes because a lot. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but sometimes friends don't make it, make it all the way. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it, it kind of weighs on you a little bit. Uh, but yeah, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure for me. Yeah, it's honestly, it's, it really is a fantastic story. You know, we talked about like consequences, um, or I, me- I mentioned it in Full Metal Alchemist. JoJo's too, like, like you said, like there are some people who you get really attached to who don't make it through the story and you're like, no, um, and I mean, Araki is, I think, a prime example of what we talked about in uh, our episode and our week two episode, his evolution, how he started off very um, hyper masculine, very 80s action star. And then over the course of the series, his features soften, the characters start become, becoming a little bit more like lucid and fluid. Yeah. Um, I think and that, it's, it's really, I think it's fantastic. Part four that really shows because like the, like uh, Josuke, he's not super buff. He's not crazy no. strong or anything. And <laughs> all the characters kind of aren't, but you still, they still have that same drive as all the other JoJo's do, uh, which is, which is awesome. And part, part four is actually one of my favorites too. Um, even though yeah. it's, part, it's kind part of a different is... story. Uh, and it's it self, absolutely is. Uh, completely. Part four is like my favorite out of all the chapters. I I will preface this with I haven't gotten past um, chapter five yet. So I've, I finished Giorno's story and I am about to go into Jolene's, I think is her name. Jolene. But, um, Jolene. But chapter, Jolene. But chapter four is my favorite just because like... Um, the evolution of the story, how it gets grander and grander and grander, and then with part four, it just shrinks and becomes much more intimate, is really, really cool. And it's overall, it's just a fantastic story. So uh, one thing uh, before we keep going, um, the the whole like stands and what their names are, like Star Platinum, 
purple purple smoke uh, all those in the sub in the subs they actually say the names of them like actual songs but in the dub they don't so you just hear <laughs> random weird names that they like come up with like purple smoke um for uh oh, he's in stardust he's in part five but they removed him because he's too strong uh but his name is actually <laughs> purple haze uh because like the Jimi hendrix song and I think that those are all really cool um, uh, when they do that. I, I think uh, Iraqi's uh, musical choice is really good. Uh, so I, I like for sure. how the characters pertain to those, to music. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's overall. Like, like I said, I could, we could talk about like for days about how Fugo. good JoJo's is. But uh, moving on to Dustin, what is your number three? All righty. Uh, joining the Shonen Club here, I think. Uh hunter <laughs> the water's <Hunter>. yeah <laughs> nice is my number three um when i first watched this i actually didn't like it all that much but then i watched it a second time and oh my god i couldn't understand how i could possibly not like it it was just fantastic um it follows gone who's essentially mostly looking for his father who is part of the hunters association he's supposed to be a very powerful hunter so gone is he's super young and he goes and sets off to become a hunter just to experience what his dad experienced and and possibly find him and becoming a hunter is no easy task you have to be insane to do this um and and through that you know he finds all kinds of friends and people they get into shenanigans it's it's a classic like fight anime you know they go they power up they train they get stronger mm -hmm. then they go on to this next arc but i think they do it in a different way it's really enjoying seeing their training it doesn't just happen like it does in some of in some of them where they're like oh yeah you can do this new move do try this and they're like oh yeah mm -hmm. this is awesome or they're just like i've been training for 10 years i just haven't shown this move yet and they busted it out <laughs> no like they, they 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 explain the process of how the 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 powers work and it's through um nen just like a, a kind of like a spiritual energy like within yourself I won't explain that too much because that's a whole yeah. other thing. On its, own. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. Um, so, so it's re actually really cool seeing them train to get stronger. It's actually really fun and enjoyable to watch. And then the battles are are no joke. Like they're intense. They're fun. They have depth to them. It's not just like pausing and talking. Even though that does happen, there's still like stakes going on while that's happening um and it, it's it's really cool i mean the the chimera and oh my is just gosh, like dude i'm not done with it yet but it's blowing my mind it is insane <laughs> like it, it just plays on so many different things i won't spoil it because <laughs> john's getting there but like the just just even the uh themes that like come up in these arcs and then gone and Killua's friendship is just amazing here's this this completely naive kid who's just like a natural beast he's like practically an animal because <laughs> he's just grown up on this island that's like has like no one he just teams up with a kid that's uh trained to be an assassin from the time he's born and they just have a blast together which is kind of funny in the sense that it's like 
life and death like 70 percent of the time yeah oh the first couple arcs like and then you get to the like the first first couple arcs are like yeah it's oh it's so fun good this is awesome shonen and then you get to the chimera ant and you're like what the fuck what's happening what is going on my heart oh man yes oh it only gets more (laughs) well that's honestly that again like great picks all the way through on these um i've i've been wanting to kind of dive into hunter hunter but i've been waiting i feel like there's so many shonen anime that i have just never watched (laughs) like uh, hunter x hunter has been like you know i see the protagonist on the cover of like shonen magazine when i would buy it in high school and like never read it Uh, or watched it it's i i haven't actually watched jojo either don't kill me that's Um, okay me either i I don't know if i can now though because my first experience was playing jump force oh no getting spammed with so i'm just like i'm I'm tilted i'm just i'll just be auto tilted (laughs) watching the anime when that pops up forever I'll explode. <laughs> they're adding. They're adding. I have a Todoroki to Jump Force, which I'm excited about. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yes. Oh my they god! Are. I have to get Jump Force now. <laughs> well, that's what, when I saw um, that they had added All Might into the DLC. I was like, God, I have to go buy this now. Damn it! <laughs> oh shit! Now I need to play Jump Force. That's all so the reason with I Hunter, need. With Hunter, with Hunter, Hunter, and I think there's a similarity in how they do their powers. Uh, like with um. What's it called? Like, how you said they go into, like, instead of just knowing how to do it already, uh, they have to train with it, like, with the Nen and everything. I think my hero does that really good, too. They do that really well. Deku doesn't know his powers right away. Like, of course he wouldn't. He didn't grow up with them. And uh, even all the people, um, like, that whole training episode they have at one point where Bakugo's sticking his arms in, in, like, hot water to open up his pores and everything to make him do bigger blasts and sweat, like, bigger drops of nitroglycerin. Like, I, I love that. And Hunter, uh, Hunter does do the same thing. So I completely agree with you on oh, that. Cool. But I just wanted to make that connection. No, I, that's awesome. Because, like, that's one of my favorite parts about my heroes. Like, the very much like the school aspect of them growing and changing and evolving over time. And I've heard a lot of great stuff about Hunter x Hunter. I've, any time you need to get me on board with, like, an anime or a cartoon or something, just tell me that there's a tournament arc and I will immediately jump on there. And I've heard nothing but amazing things about the tournament arc in, uh, in Hunter for, I think the license exam or something. There's kind of like a couple things like yeah. the license exam is kind of tournament esque. Like the, and then at the, the end of that, they do have like a, a, a battle, mm-hmm. um, but then they do have an actual like tournament. They go to basically this place. That's like a tower and you have to basically climb the tower fighting, and they do it to kind of put themselves against, like, to make money, yeah. basically, with, like, normal normal people. That's you just so watch this little kid just basically become One Punch Man, and, like, this person's a karate fighter, and he's a giant muscular man, and he's just like, all right, I have to hold back my Nen Punch here, because <laughs> I'll kill him. <laughs> and and, and not, they're not, like, OP or anything. Like, they have insane potential, which is the cool thing. They don't start off OP. And I don't think they're ever, well... I shouldn't say ever at OP, but, like, it's really cool seeing them, like, the other people around them actually being stronger and them have to actually striving to, like, keep up with them. And then those people that are strong being like, oh, shit, when this guy gets older, man, 
He's going to fuck some shit up. <laughs> I think that's cool. That's awesome. So we're going to roll into the top two here. Um, it's getting it's getting serious. So number two. So my number two is an anime that is near and dear to my heart. I've asked each of you throughout this process this month, like what your first anime was, how you got connected to it. At the number two spot is my very first anime, the fir- the anime that started it all for me, and that is Dragon Ball Z. Um, can be Dragon Ball, can be Dragon Ball Z, um, Dragon Ball Super, whatever you want, just not GT. Um, but Dragon Ball originally started in 1984 and was created by Akira Toriyama. And I mean, we've talked about it before on the podcast. Like people know what Dragon Ball Z is at this point, but if for some reason you are unfamiliar, basically the entire story centers around Goku, who um, at the beginning of Dragon Ball is a monkey-tailed boy living in the mountains who is encountered by a young scientist named Bulma who is searching for the eponymous Dragon Balls, which when you bring all seven of them together, brings out this wish-granting dragon, and so they go on a bizarre adventure. And throughout that um, throughout that original story, the show and the manga grew from kind of this fantasy adventure story into like a martial arts fantasy story. And um, I was introduced to it by Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z was huge um, on Toonami when I was a kid. And I remember my very first episode watching that. Um, I fell in love with it immediately. And I just haven't been able to let go of it since um i have loved every single thing about it okay maybe not every single thing about it but (laughs) for the most part dragon ball z has captured my imagination from the get-go i have had at least some uh dragon ball experience with each of you on this podcast at one point or another and it's something that even someone who is not at all familiar with anime they know about dragon ball z they've heard of dragon ball z um whether that's a good thing or a bad thing whether it's because it has a lot of anime cliches the ridiculous power-ups the hour-long energy blasts Mm -hmm. um, at the heart of it are characters that grow and change and evolve um and they really are just a blast no pun intended to like watch and fight and grow and it's so fun to be able to go on that adventure with them um there's also i mean i talked about it earlier you know there is a certain aspect to it where there aren't a whole lot of consequences because because of the dragon balls you can bring people back but then you know as the show goes on they try and find inventive ways to make consequences still stick um my favorite arc has and always will be the android arc. It is overstuffed, it is unnecessary, but it is so good. And the android arc leading into the cell arc is prob- is peak Dragon Ball for me. But I have always loved Dragon Ball Z. I will forever love Dragon Ball Z. And it's it had to be somewhere on the list. At one point it was number one, um, but I think comfortably it sits at number two on my list. I'm very shocked to hear that it's not... Now I'm, like, super eager to yeah. hear what number one is. Like that right. is, <laughs> Top five anime of all up. time. Number one will surprise you. <laughs> Here. Um, but going on to Kanan, what is your number two anime of all time? So... Um, we're, we're back in repeat territory. I'm so surprised. I was worried. I was like, is this list just going to be like five anime in different <laughs> orders? Um, 
I wasn't sure what to anticipate actually, but uh, My Hero Academia. Fair. Um, I feel like mostly because it has revitalized my interest in anime. Like it's not like I had some falling out, but you know, there was a time where I watched and consumed and was interested in a lot of anime, and that's kind of something that stopped being a thing for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And uh, I finally. Not at the length of time it's taken you, Eric, but I have heard for a while that I should watch um, My Hero. Uh, my uh, my ex and her best friend were very vocal about how good it was. Uh, Gus, uh, Cameron. And um, when Augustine and I finally moved into the apartment and had time to do things, we finally sat down and watched it. And, oh my god, like John described with um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, where he just wants to know what the next thing is. Like, what's, you know, can't put it down. What's going to happen? My hero has been that for me. I'm trying to think of ways in which I can talk about it that haven't already been discussed. (laughs) But, I mean, Midoriya is literally in my top five male protagonists. Um, And it's because I love how big of a heart he has and that he cries and that he's very empathetic you know and i i kind of put off my hero for a while because i knew like oh you know he doesn't have a power and then he gets one and i'm like okay like he had one the whole time you know but the way that they do it with him genuinely being just like this powerless young kid who wants nothing in the world but to live up to his hero you know and that first episode like watching him grow up and like when he's crying in his chair because he has no quirk and he's still refuses to give up because you know all might's always smiling like i i cried like a baby and i have cried so many times watching this anime just sitting there and just a a gape with tears and and snot the way they animate his tears oh my god are like that's what (laughs) i have have goosebumps right now because that oh man every time i hear that's not what i wanted you to say that's not what i needed you to say oh man Uh, your mom's saying that too like you can't to learn from your mother that she doesn't believe in your dream anymore is so heartbreaking like ugh. God. And those first four episodes are just this trebuchet that launches you into the rest, you know? And, like, I had to have Gus on standby because he had to be like, okay, you have to work in the morning, <laughs> and if you watch one more episode, you can call it now. But if you watch one more episode, we're watching five more episodes. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I watch one more episode, and then it's the <laughs> like, And, you know, what they've done in this latest season, I still haven't finished it. Um, I'm just still right after the overhaul arc in the middle of watching those who did not pass the exam have to wrangle children. I'm Same. It's that, so like, funny. two-parter right now. Yeah, and, and I, I didn't but, like, think that was going to be good, but the conclusion to that two-parter is really solid. Yeah. I can't wait. You know, and as you mentioned, like, just it feels there's so much emphasis put on all of the supporting characters that I care so much about all of them. And the second somebody seems to like fade away into the background, they're like, okay, now we're going to, we're going to take a look at red riot again. And I'm like, Oh my God, I love you. And you're my favorite character right now. Like it's just, it's so, it's so awesome. And you know, like 
Bakugo is full of all of that piss and vinegar that I hate so much. Like, in many ways, I feel like he's written to be like, hi, look, we've summarized all of the quote-unquote positive, you know, like, check marks on, like, what makes this guy endearing to a young male audience, and then just everybody treats him like the jackass that he is. And it's really, you know, endearing, you know, and I've stuck my head into like some of the fan stuff enough to know that a lot of people have some pretty disgusting opinions about Midoriya. And, uh, you know, I, I, it makes me love him all the more because, you know, he's somehow he's this, um, you know, he's this rebellion to a stereotype that is, uh, really refreshing you know and like having the contrast between you know all might and um um endeavor you know what i mean like the difference between someone who's a hero because they want to be the best hero and someone who's there to be a symbol for peace like it's just all around it's profound and it's engaging and it's fun and it tugs on your heartstrings the whole time and it's just you know it 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 very nearly was my first pick too so yeah i i wouldn't have been able to argue it being number one for you it's it's so good like all of it there's so many great characters so many great stories um i kind of someone i don't i don't remember who it was might have been some video i was watching but someone said that Bakugo is Naruto if Naruto wasn't the main character and that's I've never been able to unsee that because he's like he's this spiky haired loud kid who won't let who won't shut up about how he's gonna be the best and I was just like oh my god like it's so interesting how my hero like takes these anime tropes and really you know turns them on their head you know Deku is not you know the steadfast he's nothing like Jotaro from Stardust Crusaders like he is not this you know composed like I can do this he cries he feels emotional he goes through trials and tribulations he's he's someone who makes copious amounts of notes totally unnecessarily (laughs) and it's like that's why I wanted to go watch. <laughs> That's <laughs> the real hero. reason. I was like, this kid is so Eric is on it. And like he was exactly how I was and how I am at certain points of the day. Like it's it's just a fantastic show. So I'm I'm glad that it made its way onto onto multiple lists here. And I just want to say real quick that what they did at the end of season three with Bakugo um finally getting mm-hmm. like his perspective on things i was like oh yeah okay yeah. I like because i didn't never... like him up to that point <laughs> all the way up through season yeah. three i was like dude i don't care but this guy can go evil whatever but he took a very like sasuke retrieval arc kind of arc in season three where they're like oh the bad guys captured him <laughs> guess he's gonna turn around and be a villain and he's like no, no. <laughs> He's like, you fuck you guys. Crazy? That blew like, my mind. And I'm just like, happened. I'm like, you know what? You're all right, kid. Yeah. You're all right. I thought he was going to turn yeah. for sure. And, and then and, like, uh... he, he didn't. And it speaks to his character a lot. He wants to be just as good as he wants to be better than All Might. You know, he wants to uh, be a hero. And I didn't think I didn't think that I thought he was going to be like, oh, cool. You know what? Being a villain sounds nice. But no, it's it was completely different for sure. 
Now, rolling right along, John, what is your number two anime of all time? So, um, this was extremely hard. I was caught between a whole bunch of different shows that didn't uh, make my list. Um, but this one kind of has a very sentimental value to me, and it's another crossover. What is this? A crossover episode? Anyways. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, this is, it's Trigun. Trigun is... Wow, incredible. <laughs> and uh, it's one of those Fuck animes yeah. you saw like <laughs> on the block on Cartoon Network or Adult Swim uh, with like Yu Yu Hakusho, Cowboy Bebop, and Fooly Cooly, uh, which, are, which were the contenders for my second spot because I love all of them so much, especially Fooly Cooly. Uh, if this was about music, Fooly Cooly would take the spot instantly. Um, but... But Trigun was an introduction for me to a new kind of anime. It was, it was fun, exciting, and silly, and the characters were lovable and kind. But towards the end of the like, this season, it drops some hardcore content on you, and it makes you feel, think, and worry for Vash the Stampede. It is... Easy, it has it, it so easily made me question things. It, it brought intense twists and turns uh, that blew my mind and have stuck with me all these years. Uh, whenever I see something uh, pertaining to Trigun, I, I lose my shit. Like, if I see someone dressed as Vash at, or Wolfwood at a Comic-Con, I'm, I'm like, I have to get a picture with you. Can confirm. This has happened. <laughs> this has happened. I know. It's happened in front of you. <laughs> um, whenever I see like anything pertaining to it, I get so happy. And, I, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, yes, Trigun is the shit. Not only because the characters can be silly, but they, they go through something. They... Uh, like Vash, he's a flawed character in a way because, you know, he's struggling with all these inner feelings and all that. And then when you get to the chapel scene with Wolfwood and all this stuff, you, you learn how much you loved Wolfwood at the, at the same time. Um, in Trigun, when it really turns on its head and it turns into something you don't know, like didn't have any idea was going to happen, was when Diablo shows up. Diablo is an amazing villain. But he's also extremely terrifying and something that I hadn't seen before in an anime. Like, yeah, I watched Inuyasha and all these demons and stuff. But to me, these were more people than, than like, demons and, and stuff like that. These are actually uh, people with lives and everything. And people died when Diablo showed up. And Vash had to, like, overcome this, this feeling. Because, you know, as Kanan said before, he hates killing. And uh, there was... And I'm not going to spoil anything again, but... There's a moment where everything's just you. You clench your butthole. You clench it up, and you're like, "Oh my god, what's gonna happen?" And and yeah, and mostly this is on my number two spot. Uh, not because uh, not only because of all that, but because this is the show that brought me and my brother closer together. Uh, me and him, like, we didn't get along when we, we when we were younger, but when we started watching Trigun uh, together. Um, we started watching more and more anime and and you know me and him weren't that close but we could talk about trigon we could talk about all these uh, about dragon ball z um and i think trigon was one of the ones that really stuck with both me and him and like now me and him get along great and we talk about anime all the time i bet he wishes but he he's he's more of a fan of it than i am at this point because he watches so much of it he has a he has a wish.com. <laughs> he goes on there and gets so much anime stuff, it blows my mind. Anyways. Um but Shout yeah. out to John's brother. <laughs> yeah, I love you, Roman. <laughs> um 
Yeah, it's just it brought me and him closer. But Trigun is also just one of those shows where it's like Cowboy Bebop. Bebop. It's kind of like in that era of anime that kind of uh, blows uh, blows blows everything else out of the water. You know, it kind of culminates everything together into one beautiful story, and I think it's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like I said earlier, like that's it's a show I'm going to have to go back and rewatch just because like that. If you have never watched Trigun, the two places you've heard it here on this episode are the biggest glowing recommendation that I've ever heard for that show. So it's it's absolutely amazing. Now, Dustin, round us out here. What is your number two anime of all time? My number two is Konosuba, God's Blessing on This Wonderful World. This show is so goddamn funny. It's <laughs> I, I, I don't think I've laughed out loud this much at anything. Now, don't get me wrong. Some people are just going to be like, what the hell? Like, this isn't funny because it's a particular type of humor. But um, follows Kazuma, and uh, he's just a, a shut-in. He just sits in, he, you know, finished all-nighter playing video games, he's going to the store to get a limited edition of a new game, and he's tired, he's he's in the sun, hurts his eyes, and he sees a girl, and a car coming towards her. So what does he do? Oh no, I have to save her! And next thing he knows, he's in, basically, with a god. The first thing this god does... It's make fun of him for how he died <laughs> because <laughs> he was delusional and pushed this girl away from a tractor that was moving slowly that never would have even hit her and would have stopped in time. So his noble sacrifice wasn't even worth it. Not only that, the tractor didn't kill him. Oh no, he died of fear and a heart attack because he thought the tractor killed him. <laughs> and that's what killed him. And not only that, they could have saved him, but they didn't because they were too busy laughing at the situation that he was having a heart attack from being fear of getting hit by this thing. Oh my God. <laughs> so the doctors didn't even save him. His own parents laugh at him. So like, that's kind of what goes on. It, 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 and so out of spite, he basically, he, they're like, hey, guess what? You know, you died too young. Let's, uh, let's get you into a new life, basically. Uh, you know, I've got this uh, this place. You know, you're a shut-in. You love games. Come save this new world. Defeat, uh, I forget, the, the Demon King or whatever. Um, and he's like, all right, yeah, cool, I could do that. You get one power to take with you. I'll get you anything. And the goddess nags him so much that he's like, you know what? Just have a spite. You. I'm bringing you. <laughs> so he drags this goddess with him into this new world. And they just, like... They're constantly bashing on each other and kind of like the the plays. And I, I don't know. It's just so funny. Like at one at one moment, she, uh, he's calling her a bitch. And, you know, the next moment he's like thanking her for like healing him or something. Or or she's like laughing at him for being a shut in need. And then the next set of whining and grabbing his shirt for her to for him to give her money. And he doesn't become like the super powerful thing. He's like an average Joe. Hmm. And um, she ends up, you know, they have to get, you know, they're not powers but basically like they're they're licensed to be a um an adventurer and uh, so of course what happens is he gets teamed up with people that are super powerful like 
technically like she's an arch priest they've got an arch wizard and um and um then uh oh god i can't think of the word but basically like a knight but they're the most useless overpowered people in the world he's got an arch mage that can only use explosion magic now it's a one hitter quitter and will decimate people but she can only use it once per day and then once she uses it she can't move then uh, of course aqua the priest just can only basically like do like healing or like battle undead but she's more interested in drinking and learning party tricks and then there's um darkness who is the knight but uh she can't hit anything every time she swings her sword she misses so she can only basically be a shield for them but um she's basically a uh 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 a like she likes pain she gets off on pain so anytime they talk about like going fighting like a giant beast it's just like like this isn't the time for this like shut up like we're in public sort of thing i i don't know it just their whole dynamic and the way they just like the things they say to each other is ridiculous and it, it almost makes fun of like the asaki genres of these people like born into a new world and uh and of course so the the downfall is they put fan service stuff in it i don't think they i won't say they necessarily highlight it but they they also use it for comedic effect which is funny like uh he kazumu learns a steel ability and his only good thing is that he has really high luck so what happens when he goes try to steal this bag of money from someone teaching it he steals their panties and so now <laughs> anytime he tries to <laughs> to steal you know he, so he kind of just gets known as like a giant perv even though he wasn't trying to do it and and people make fun of him for it so then he meets this like new legendary hero that has this giant weapon and is gonna you know save the world and hates that this this priest is with him when he, uh, she should be with him and so they go for a battle and he ends up stealing his sword and just like knocking him on the head with it almost like half by accident and and then uh the girls he's with teaming up and want to fight him so what does he do he just gets this really creepy get and then they have this perfect animation with his hand where he's like <laughs> like you know what i'm gonna do you know what i can steal like i am i'm i'm a, a i'm an equal advocate of gender rights i will drop kick you if i need to <laughs> just because you're a girl you're not safe from me and things like that so uh it's not the best way of explaining it but um man this show is just so funny and the hijinks they get into and the the people's banter is just like i have i've been waiting for someone to bring up a cut like a comedic anime because i love (laughs) comedy animes so much and i'm so i haven't seen that one so i'd love to write it down uh but like jintama and like disastrous life of psyche k those are two of my favorites like and then the day in the life of of a high school boys like, that one's super fun. Oh, man, that's so cool. I love that stuff. I love it so much. Out of curiosity, have any of you ever watched Cromarty High School? No. No. It's, um, uh, it would have been one of my honorable mentions if it had come to mind before, but speaking of, like, just We already gave you anime, two, Kanan. It's about this... <laughs> <laughs> it's about this high school kid who like um he wants to go to school with his best friend and his best friend is kind of dumb so he like flunks his exam on purpose so they end up at the same high school and then they don't 
um, because he ends up testing into, like, a proper high school. So he ends up getting sent to the high school full of all the obnoxious, badass, insane, like, high school kids. And it's, like... It's just, it has the most batshit sense of humor to it. And, like, Freddie Mercury is a character in the anime, even though they never address him as Freddie Mercury, but he's, like, this revered student. Like, the first episode, like, he's sitting and, like, trying not to be noticed, and he, like, drops his pencil. And this, like, one student who's, like, this... Like, they all look like big, old, adults. And he, like, picks up his pencil for him. And he's, like, thank you. And he goes, and he eats the pencil. And he's, like, he... He just, he just ate my pencil. And so he takes all of the rest of his pencils and dumps them on the floor. And the guy picks them up and eats all of his pencils. Like, it's just, it's like insane. And like that, that piece about him ending up in the wrong high school. Like, it's a joke in the anime where he's like, I can't believe I ended up here. And then it like takes a break and is like, if you want to know what happened, read the manga. Like, it's just, it's wild. You can find it on YouTube. I will send you guys the first episode. Yes, please. They're like 15 <laughs> minutes long, and it's just a goddamn riot. I haven't watched or read it in over eight years, but Dustin, you talking about like just a funny anime amidst all of these guns and drama and fists. <laughs> it uh, it reminded me of once upon a time. I'm totally gonna have to check that. I I, I love I love the comedies. I, there's so many funny things. What in was the name of yours again, Dustin? Uh, Konosuba, God's blessing on this wonderful world. Yeah, and I think that the the range, like they mentioned, we haven't had a whole lot of straight up comedy anime. So I'm glad that you you injected that into this and brought in brought in your knowledge and your expertise for that. It, it's totally like my sense of humor. It sounds like it. Understand that. <laughs> sounds exactly the kind of show you you'd fucking watch. <laughs> but that is going to bring us to the Peace Day Resistance, the number one for all of us, as Kanan would call it, the magnum opus for all. <laughs> <laughs> number one. Number one. Magnum num. So, um, here we go. Number one, um, I thought long and hard about this. Uh, this one traded places with Dragon Ball Z for at least on two or three separate occasions. But after really putting some thought into it, my number one anime of all time is Yu Yu Hakusho. Wow. Yu Yu Hakusho uh, was created in 1990 by Yoshihiro Togashi. And... Holy shit, is it amazing. Um, it takes pretty much everything that I've talked about in my previous uh, points on here and really blends it all into this incredible story that starts, strangely enough, very much like Konosuba. Uh, it follows uh, <laughs> it really Yusuke, does, does. <laughs> Yusuke Yurameshi. This is the first thing I thought of. <laughs> who is a uh, high school delinquent who doesn't really get along with people. And as he's walking uh, home from school one day, he sees a child chasing a ball into the street in front of a car. Now, Yusuke Yurameshi comes from a pretty neglectful home. He's kind of a uh, knucklehead. But for the first time in his entire life, he chooses someone above himself 
He pushes the kid out of the way of the car, gets hit by the car, and dies. And that's the opening moments of Yu Yu Hakusho, and it just gets stranger from there. Um, he meets Botan, who is essentially the Grim Reaper, and is my headcanon version of who the Grim Reaper is for the rest of my life. Um, and she basically tells him, like, you're essentially the victim of a clerical error because you weren't supposed to push this kid out of the way. You have been selfish your entire life, and you suddenly decide you have to be noble. And so from there, it just spirals into this amazing saga of Yusuke Urameshi first trying to gain his life back by becoming a spirit detective, then diving it further into the world of demons and monsters, and it just gets crazier and crazier from there. Um... Yugi Yu Hakusho also holds, I think, the title for most 90s anime of all time. <laughs> yeah. And all you have to do is look at how everyone is dressed because it's all 90s. Like, bright-ass, like, mismatched colored blazers, like, you know, windbreakers that serve no purpose. Like, it's really an incredible just ode to what the 90s was as a decade um the supporting cast kuwabara is incredible yes karama and hiei are two of the best characters in the entire show um even you know characters like botan who don't get i think as much time as the show goes along really get fully fleshed out character arcs you want to talk about body horror there is plenty of body horror in Yu Yu Hakusho we're talking about demons we're talking about undead creatures um you want to talk about power leveling Yusuke Urameshi tournament goes arcs. through an <laughs> tournament arcs you get me on board with the tournament arc and I'm sold um this has one of the best tournament arcs in any anime I've ever watched um because basically the tournament arc takes place entirely in the demons world and to them our hero Heroes are the bad guys invading in their territory and trying to take away their livelihoods. So, like, there's a lot of layers. The supporting cast is incredible. Even the villains. Younger Toguro is one of my favorite anime villains of all time. And he is just incredibly played by Damien Clark, who has a long, rich history with anime. Um, most notably playing Cell, Perfect Cell, from uh, Dragon Ball Z. I... I absolutely love <laughs> nice. every single part of this show. It evolves, it grows, it changes over time. Uh, the chapter black arc is fantastic, but it also is a, it's, it's really an, an introspection on what anime and manga is itself. Uh, the creator, um, Yoshihiro Togashi really suffered making this. He, um, he described, he basically like put out this essay after completing Yu Yu Hakusho, basically talking about how hard it is to be a mangaka working for something like Shonen Jump, because you have to be doing stuff seven days a week, almost 24 hours a day to make sure that you keep consistently keep your quality up and tell a story that you're trying to tell. And he worked himself to the point of mental exhaustion, which is a negative for the show that it just kind of abruptly ends and you essentially get a Mass Effect 3 style, here's what happened to everyone, which is unfortunate, but it also, <laughs> it also talks about, you know, how much... Um, 
sacrifices involved with that. That's a major sticking point in the show. Um, the show also has really meta moments where it's it gets frustrating that things keep happening. Like uh, Yusuke has this confrontation with a character who afterwards he starts just like punching the ground because he's just like, no matter how many people I beat or how many goddamn like trials i have to go through there's always something else which is like a major anime trope that as soon as you beat some guy there's a guy who's revealed who's even higher and you know that's a real like frustration with the genre and with stories and i've never seen it get in injected into the actual story um but the characters are amazing the the idea that Yusuke, who is this, who comes from this fucked up background, he's been really unable to deal with his emotions because of his neglectful upbringing. Tying that into his power scaling later on is just a stroke of genius. It's everything that I could possibly want about an anime. Um, also, fun fact, I, I like to draw. I've made it pretty clear i've shown drawings of different things for uh the podcast but yusuke yurameshi was the first character i ever drew and it's so deeply set into my core into my dna that i recommend it to anyone who ever goes and wants to join up and check out anime um also the soundtrack bops it is such a fantastic like 80s slash 90s um synth pop rock the opening to you to you Hakusho I showed it to Kanan like it is so fun and absolutely just gets you in gear to see what it is but I have I've rambled enough about it it is my favorite anime of all time it is so good and that is why it's my number one so moving on uh Kanan what is your number one anime of all time um I think we should just be allowed to ramble as much as we want, Eric. So if you have anything else you want to say, so in chapter four, in go. chapter one twenty five, uh, no, but no, it's honestly I I love it so much, and I I'm so glad that I get to talk about it. I I might even do a full scale episode on it someday because it's so it's so fantastic. It really is. But we are gonna move on, Kanan. What is your number one anime of all time? So, um. My first pick um, is the result of many things in which I will try to explain them concisely. <laughs> but I think it was really the first time I saw an anime that was recognizable as anime, but felt entirely different and new. And um, when I watched it in maybe my first year of high school... I finished the whole thing and could not tell you what the fuck happened at the end <laughs> because it's just, it's so meta. Um, and it was something I started, you know, cause I made friends in high school and then those friends had older brothers and friends who were like, you know, seniors in high school and were like, Oh, you like anime. Well, here's one you've never seen before. So my first and favorite is neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, for great many reasons. Um, the first of which being that its opening theme, Cruel Angel's Thesis, is the biggest bop of all time, and was undoubtedly the first song I listened to to test out my new ear- my earphones, my new headphones I got. 
was like, okay, let's bump some Cruel Angels thesis. <laughs> but, um, so Neon Genesis follows, um, so, okay. Um, basically the universe, um, uh, the world has been on two occasions invaded by incomprehensible threats known hereto as angels, um, who have come these big abstract alien monsters have come down and fucking decimated everything. Um, so the, the, where we pick up in the series, we are in Tokyo three, Tokyo three. <laughs> <laughs> and basically the angels descend, make a muck of everything and then go away for another 10 years until they do it all over again and people have to rebuild. So an organization known as Nerve, um, basically, uh, which, by the way, uh, sub-note, um, their, their logo is, like, the best piece of graphic design in the world, and their mantra is, God's in his heaven, all's right with the world. And, like, for whatever reason, that was the first thing I ever wanted to get tattooed on my body. I still don't have a tattoo, but that is a contender for my first tattoo. Um, <clears throat> but basically, Nerve, um, and all of the angels have names. Like, they're named, like, Ezekiel and Michael, and it's there's a lot of biblical imagery in the show. And um, they create these um, mechs, question mark, because they're organic, why are they organic? What are Evangelions, really? Well, you'll have to watch to find out. But basically, they're mech suits. Except they're mech suits where in which, um, one, for some reason, only children are able to pilot them. And two, like there has to be the synchronicity between the DNA of the pilot and the Evangelion. Because they are organic and have a mind of their own that is being carefully controlled with all of these electronics. So our protagonist, his name is uh, Shinji Ikari. And his father, um, whose name is escaping me so I have it up on my phone, Gendo. His father, Gendo, runs Nerve. And out of the blue, after many years of estrangement, he's called basically back home by his father and he comes expecting some kind of relationship or an emo emotional catharsis with his father or something like that and it turns out he's just been called to get in the goddamn robot and he very reluctantly throughout the first episode like leaving and then deciding to come back eventually pilots the evangelion and like fights his first angel and like you expect this big epic confrontation and he immediately gets his shit fucked and we cut to black and now he's in the hospital um but uh so it's about nerve and you know shinji being this um a reluctant protagonist in trying to quell this threat, this invasion, which, you know, every time a new angel pops up, is this an, another completely godlike creature that cannot be understood. And um, the thing that I love about it so much is the show is so slow and methodical and cinematic in a way that I had never been, I've never seen in an anime. Like, um, I'm going to kind of spoil something, but I'm going to obfuscate as much as I can because it really hits home what this anime does that I have still kind of really never seen in an anime. Um, there is a betrayal, top 10 anime betrayals, um, <laughs> where basically there is a character who is in disguise and is in fact an angel. And Shinji um, 
there's this scene where Shinji is holding this person that he has cared so much for um, in the the hand of his suit. And it's just, you know, it's this big wide shot and it's just that for a minute and a half is just him holding his once thought of friend knowing that he has to he has to kill him and it's just a minute and a half of ambiance and maybe some music and like that's it like there's all these quiet moments and these dark reflections and scenes in elevators where no one's speaking and the art style is just so like it's it's so like uh it's so it's so brutalist and also like full of all of this like bright color you know and it's kind of this world that's just like i don't know like there's this defeatism kind of with it and i love shinji akari because you know something like my hero with midoriya like i love midoriya because he feels like all of the things that i want to be and Shinji Ikari feels like all of the things that I am or have been at some point in my life. And, like, I have a catharsis when I relate to him as kind of this person who is complacent and, you know, at times utterly apathetic and, you know, struggling to find meaning by doing whatever the fuck he's told to do. And, you know, his relationship with his father... And, you know, it's just like, it's, I'm, I'm really big into dub. You know, I like dub. I like to hear what people are saying in English. And for the most part, there's a lot of good dub out there. But this is one of those where between, you know, uh, the liberties taken with the dub and the quality of the voice acting in Japanese is just so good that I want to hear it in Japanese. There's a moment a couple of episodes in where Shinji's like test firing in the mech. You know, and in English it's just like fire, fire, fire. Like it's bad, but like in Japanese it's just like this quiet like two or three syllables that just like expresses so much about where he is. Like I don't speak Japanese, but it makes such a, it has such an impact, you know, and it's just it. The music is incredible. And, you know, this almost monster of the week kind of thing that starts to happen, like, you know, and, uh, you know, there's one particular episode where him and another one of the pilots who don't get along at all have to face these two angels that are in such perfect synchronicity and have to be defeated simultaneously. Otherwise they just come back. So the whole episode is about them training to be in rhythm with one another. And like, there's this track of music that they basically have to build this like class piece of music that they have to build a, uh, uh, a choreography around in order to succinctly at the exact moment take care of both angels at the same time that is just like the best and it you know it's just it's so it's so dark and so beautiful and so meditative and you know it's just if it wasn't so weird like that would almost be i mean i came very close to putting that in my like top animes but it's just there is something just so alienating about it in general that has almost nothing to do about it being an anime <laughs> that it's not like the first thing i i would recommend to somebody but it has always been poignant and i still really want shinji's angel as an action figure resting on my desk but i've never bit the bullet and um for so many reasons it is just it is 
it is the one that has made by and large the biggest impression on me throughout my whole life yeah that's fuck that's amazing um yeah ninja genesis and evangelion was something that i really i tried I <laughs> I watched like the first five episodes and I was like, ah, it's really like you said, it's really fucking weird. Um, but like, this is something I'm definitely going to have to go back and watch for sure, because it's like, I don't know the, you feel things very deeply and very passionately and you can hear like the passion you have for that show. So that's that's awesome. <laughs> we John? can watch it together it could be like a book club oh boy <laughs> <laughs> uh, John what is your number one anime of all time well my number one anime of course has the best bop in the entire world for its first opening and that is come on board and bring along all your hopes and dreams it's one piece <laughs> Wait, if but that's not first, the that's if, not the first opening. The first opening is uh <laughs> Set sail for one piece. It's the name of the treasure. No <laughs> on the grand line. No, don't, even, don't even think about that Uh-oh. one. <laughs> You're right, that is a bop. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> but no, my uh If your first pick was anything but one piece, I would know you're a doppelganger and there. <laughs> Must more be interrogated so we can find the real John. <laughs> John, it tell is. us about One Piece. So, uh, One Piece, um, I first got into it like when I was really young, like 10 or 11. It was one of those ones on Cartoon Network, like right after Naruto. Uh, like I said in the in the last um, in our in our episode. Um, I would sit down, big big old bowl of ramen, and then just eat a whole bunch of ramen while eating while watching all these uh, anime. And this was one of the ones that I would watch. At first, though, I wasn't that into it. Um, I was just kind of like, eh, it's not. I think because I was younger, I associated um, like sharp figures like uh, like Goku and Dragon Ball Z and Inuyasha with them having a good story, just because they looked really good too. Um, One Piece had kind of a different art style for me. The characters were more rounded and like a little more cartoonish. So it kind of uh, turned me off of it for a while. Um, But a couple years ago, like three or four years ago, I got super, super back into it after watching one episode. And, um, uh, you know, it just, I got back into it. And after getting Funimation, um, and man, I took off on it i never had a show grip me so completely and so fast and uh it's an incredible story with a huge amazing cast of characters and i spent an entire summer watching it every day i could not wait to see the next episode just like with jojo but even more so because i could not stop it would be playing no matter what i was doing um uh every day uh it took over my life and not only did the art style remain the same in a way but over the seasons the animation and the use of color and dialogue exploded and it a show an anime had never brought me to tears more times than this one one piece is like so deep in my heart now and ingrained in there that each one of these characters i care about so much there's one arc um that just completely destroyed me and that was Annie's lobby 
and that was the Nico Robin arc when they have to save her. Um, might spoil things, but they got to save Robin at some point. Uh, but there's this, there's this uh, moment when they're standing between her being taken away for, for life and put in prison, and, and, and Luffy's just standing on the edge of this, of this uh, wall, and he's like, just tell me you want to live. And I will save you. And it's just this beautiful moment that makes me cry every time I think about it or watch it. And when she re responds to him, it breaks my heart. And I've never seen something like that. And, oh, man, there's so many good arcs. Like, uh, like the whole with uh, the Orange Island, with uh, um, Nami's arc, with Arlong, when he puts his hat on her uh, and just he, when he gets inside the room that Arlong had her in. Like, it was basically a prison. It had just stacks and stacks of paper and desks and stuff. And without a thought, Luffy just straight up starts kicking, kicking shit, cutting shit in half, throwing it out the window. And you can just feel how sorry he is for his friend and how he wants to basically get vengeance for her. And, and then each one of the characters, like as he goes along picking them up and everything, they have such sad stories to tell and such sad moments, but they still, Luffy breathes life back into these people. And it's like really, it's really something else when, when a, when a character's uh, capable of doing something like that, especially with a character like Zoro and Zoro's the first one he gets and Zoro's sold like off right off the bat. Especially when you get to uh, the Barate arc, um, when they're getting Sanji, uh, and Hawkeye, Hawkeye and Zoro have their fight, and oh man, it's just such a good show. And to me, it's like with Doctor Who. Matt Smith is my favorite because he's a storybook character. I could see One Piece as a storybook. It's a, it's an adventure. It is the epitome of of an adventure to me. It is. It's fun. It's exciting. It's full of heart, and it's full of um, full of tears. And there's moments that really grip you, and there's characters that you meet along the way that aren't even around that long, but you get attached to them too. And not to mention the world building aspect of it all. And they're still building the world around it. And the fighting is incredible, especially when you get to um, the war. That blows my mind every time I I, I see it. But yeah. One Piece, 100% all the way. It's my favorite. Chopper all the way. That's <laughs> one of my favorite characters ever. Raccoon Dog. Yeah. Chopper. Oh, man. When he walks in, when he walks in oh, and he's all beat up and bloody and he's holding the mushroom in his hand. Oh, man. I just love it. Oh. He's so cute. I just love it. He's like, oh, shut up. It's not like that makes me happy or anything. It's just... <laughs> love it. it's been so long since i watched one piece but uh Usopp yeah. was always my favorite so good dude, if, I could, if i was anybody in that show it'd be Usopp. dude when i cast it in my head you're Usopp every time yes <laughs> yeah i was ace. always a huge fan of ace aces i mean oh my it's, god you're so ace. it's like just <laughs> throwing fire it's like he's just like uh, my favorite part of him though is like the narcolette or the um not it's not narcolepsy. It's the uh, it's the opposite, where he would just like fall asleep randomly, yeah, like he just couldn't help That's it. Narcolepsy. Is that narcolepsy? I think you're okay. thinking of insomnia as the other one. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. But like just having this like narcoleptic firebender just like wandering around. Like mm. I always, I always loved that. <laughs> One Piece is something that like I, I was surprised because like a lot of, a lot of these, especially like all of the ones on my list, except for obviously My Hero Academia, um, have long since like wrapped up their run on Shonen Jump. And so I was surprised to see like a recent Shonen Jump where Luffy is still dead center. He's been going strong for over 20 yeah, years now. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's crazy, man. How, like, especially, and where they're at now, like, oh, everything's just coming together and it's still going to keep growing. And it spans across generations, like, literally, because it's been going on for two decades. And <laughs> the arc they're on now, like, oh, I can't wait till it gets to that freaking peak and just explodes. because And the animation in this season has been uh, incredible. And it just, oh, man, it's been what I wanted for so long. Because Aaron Wano... Doesn't Luffy fight a god dude, at some point? And, and he's... <laughs> yes, he does. He fights a lightning god, basically. And... The lightning god cannot affect him. <laughs> and it's hilarious. <laughs> it is so funny because he's just like, the look on his face when he realizes that he can't hurt Luffy is is one of the best moments in the anime because it's just, it made me laugh so much. Literally oh, the man. one person who can counter him shows up. And like, <laughs> well, <laughs> Zeus is just like, well, yeah. fuck. Not, but it's still a really cool fight, and really cool stuff happens. Um, that's the Skypea arc. Uh, uh, it's really good. Uh, oh, man. But just all the arcs when he's getting gathering his crew, and then afterwards, it's just, it's so good. And then the world, like, Akuma, he's uh, Kuma, I think that's his name, this big dude, and, like, what's going on with him? Oh, man, I could, I don't want to spoil anything else. Uh, so, but it's incredible, guys. It's it's one of my favorites. Over 900 episodes. But yeah, it is. Let really, me ask really you really uh, another question. Hmm. So the last the last time I left off in uh, One Piece was like the end of the crocodile arc. Alabasta? Ballpark for me. What percentage of One Piece have I consumed? That's like 15%, man. I was like, <laughs> let him down gently, man. <laughs> like 15 20 no not even no 15 or 10 (laughs) that's like it's huge oh man that's like episode uh... but but it's not the same way that like it's not the same way that like inuyasha is where it's like inuyasha is like 85 percent filler Mm -hmm. like all of one piece is just gigantic but it's all like part of the story yeah that's episodes 92 through 130 uh, and Jesus! And, and what, what episode are we now on, John? Nine hundred and fifty-eight, I think. <laughs> let it be known Kanan's that face. I am you, you can't li- li- listeners. You can't see it, but Kanan, I have never seen someone so oh utterly defeated by the magnitude of trying of even considering trying to catch up on that. I want to, it is but daunting. it's like it's like telling someone to start Doctor Who. You're like, start Doctor 930. Who. 930. <laughs> They're like, okay, but where and how many and what? <laughs> well, that is going to bring us to Dustin. Bring us home. What is your favorite anime of all time? All right. Your number one. Well, the, the plot of this one will make Eric surprised that I like it because he knows how much I hate time travel. 
But uh, my favorite is Erased, and it follows um, Satoru, and he's a 29-year-old. He's trying to become a manga artist, but he's just working at a pizza place. But he has this unique thing that happens that he calls revival. There's a moment, you know, times everything's going along normal, but then something happens, like an accident or there's going to be a death. And then all of a sudden, he's back earlier in time. It could be just a moment beforehand or what. Um, so he's looking. He goes, okay, I'm having deja vu. So that means this is revival. He's not really in complete control of it. And so he has to look and he has to find what's changing to try and, and fix it, essentially. Um, so what happens is there's, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not. I feel like I literally read an overview that had it in there. But uh, essentially something hap big happens in his life. Someone gets killed. And kind of he's looking like the main suspect for it when he had nothing to do for it. So almost out of panic, he, he goes and revival happens. Well, he ends up as a kid back in elementary school. Uh, what? where where kids were going missing while he was in elementary school, and they never caught the guy. So here he is as a young, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's elementary schooler, but he still has the knowledge of him as a 29-year-old and the perspective on it. <laughs> so you get, it is, it's, it's oh interesting, goodness. but it's super serious, actually. And uh, so watching him interact with his mom, like, appreciating these moments that he has as a kid, like, as an adult now recognizing, like, you, I don't think people realize sometimes that more they have that moment where it's like, oh my god, everything my mom told me was right, and I did not listen to her, you know? And, and so it's, it's really cool seeing that. So he ends up um, trying to figure out who took these people, and one person in particular, Kayo who is kind of this loner that he's he befriends and is trying to save so he's kind of like I'm going to I got to stick by her side no matter what like I will save this person and so it follows like their journey becoming friends getting to know each other and it's like almost weird because he's still like it's like this weird blend of him being an adult and a kid at the same time. Like, he finds himself getting caught up in these kid moments and kind of going back to that mentality. Because it's it's kind of a little creepy with, like, a 20-year-old mindset, like, friending with a child. But, you know, <laughs> it's anime. It works out. It's not creepy. It's not pervy, I promise. Um, and so, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just a fantastic mystery. I mean, the only downside to it is you really can only watch it once. Because once you kind of figure everything out, it's just, it's not quite as good. But the animation is great. The emotion is great. And and kind of the power he ends up having as a kid, being able to speak out against things. Um, I don't know. It, it's just fantastic. That's crazy. I've, I've <sighs> never heard of this, but I am absolutely sold it's like yeah. it's basically like case closed but like actual time travel 
and it's and that's and that's so yeah. surprising too because like you're right like anytime just dear listeners anytime that time travel is a part of anything and i ask dustin how it is he's just like that's time travel man so you can't <laughs> You can't, you, 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 you can't really. <laughs> I don't you, you, you know what it is. You can't really. <laughs> I, just, I, I hate it. You have to like play with so many rules, but then you have to say, wait, these rules that other places have done don't exist, but then they do exist, but then they don't exist. But then it's like, if you can time travel, why can't you just go back and change everything? Oh, well, there's 12 different universes and it branches off to this. No! Fuck you! <laughs> Stay in the present! But, uh, Stay in the present! So, so needless I, I, to say, I am shocked that yeah. a time travel story is your number one. Yeah, but it, it sounds it's, amazing. It's great, and I think I like it the really fact does. that he can't necessarily control it. Like, he kind of can, but it really only revolves around, like, accidents or deaths. So it's, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not like, oh, I can just go back and change whatever I want. You know, this event has to happen, and it kind of gets triggered and i think if he focuses a long enough like doing it like he's able to go back again but um yeah i think that's the cool aspect of it is it, it, he's it, it, and he's not like a hero or anything he doesn't pretend to be a hero he's just your average joe that um i don't know wants to do good and and kind of fix everything yeah it sounds amazing like for those of you, of course, who you can't see us while we're recording, but the moment that Dustin's going through this synopsis, he's like, and then he's in elementary school. <laughs> we, like, me, John, and Kata just went, what? Like, we we all just, like, leaned in and our eyes got wide. It was, it was amazing. And it, where, um, you said it's called Erased? Yeah, Erased. Mm-hmm. Okay, where where can we find it? I want to watch this. Uh, like, I I believe it's on. I know it's on Crunchyroll or Verve or VRV, whatever that's called. I know it's on those. I'm not sure if it's on anything else. That that's where I saw it though. Yeah, that sounds. Oh my god. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I am really happy about these lists, guys. Like this was really really cool, especially like none of us got like the same one at the same like rank too which i was definitely like worried about i was like oh man at least one of us were both gonna have like the same number three but like it was really cool going through everybody's lists i could have sworn yours was either gonna yours was gonna be yu yu Hakusho or cowboy bebop but i i I guess uh, I, I was so sure it was Cowboy Bebop, and for Dustin, I thought his was also going to be One Piece. But uh, yeah, I just, but these lists were amazing. It, it was very surprising. I definitely thought One Piece was going to be on Dustin's list, and I'm surprised that it wasn't, especially because Dustin dressed up as uh, Luffy for Halloween one year. Ah, I think it was yeah. like our first Halloween in, in L.A., right? It might have been, yeah, yeah. It might have been our first Halloween in LA, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was shocked uh, it was that it wasn't that it wasn't on there. I knew that John was gonna have One Piece at number one. I just knew it, just because that's so ingrained in your character. <laughs> um, but yeah, f- honestly, like I I struggled not putting Cowboy Bebop on the list. I'm surprised it didn't show up on anybody's I, list. I am too. I thought for yeah. sure Shocked. Cowboy Bebop I, was going to show up. But I'd I never seen it before. Like I just started watching Cowboy Bebop. Oh, the the <sighs> world you have ahead of you, my friend. But yeah, it's got I, the best theme song of all time, and I've never even it's sat so down and good. watched it all. 
I had to uh, I had to really set aside like because we talked about this um, prior to recording about it being our personal favorites, not what's like objectively the best. Because if it was like an objective, like the best anime, like Cowboy Bebop, like almost is required to be on there. But I think especially when you get into like your favorites, there is more room for variance. And I like that we all had like different stuff. Each of us had a different number one. Each of us had a different number two, so on and so forth. Um, it was really cool. And I got introduced to some uh, some anime that I have never heard of, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, D- Dustin definitely came in and was the wild card for sure. <laughs> yeah, yes. cool because yeah. Eric, you and I both had My Hero, and mm-hmm. you and John both had JoJo, JoJo's. and John and I both had Trigun. I think it shows like kind of how everyone got started in anime, which is really cool. Like yeah. you guys had a lot of um, older ones in it, whereas I I didn't get to start. Like I watched it, and I enjoyed it. But, like, it wasn't something I could like. Like, I was, like, kind of like a jock. Like, I played soccer for 12 years, and it's like, you know, you just get made fun of or, like, bullied if you like these things. You know, you have to kind of be, like, closeted with it. So I didn't really start, like, watching, watching, and freely enjoying till like, almost college, maybe, like, late high school. And and so it, I think that's kind of where it comes from, where it's a lot more of these modern animes and i haven't gotten a chance to really get fully invested in a lot of these other ones like code geass or or neon genesis because anytime i look up like what are great animes like they pop up and there's got to be a reason for it you know um so i i i, I definitely now am gonna find uh, neon genesis and and, and that and, and make sure i i invest fully in that now <laughs> it's on netflix now so it is it, yes. Yes. boom there we go well i know what i'm doing for the next couple of days you have my number i am yeah i'm always down to talk about it i think i'm going to have to finally especially since all of you know so much about it like i'm gonna have to finally watch one piece it's also something i can talk to my sister about because she is a i mean she has john levels of obsession with one piece (laughs) there's um there's a guy on youtube his name is um eye patch wolf and uh, he does really great videos. I sent one to Eric that's about uh, about wrestling and Undertale. But he has one that's about One Piece. And, like, I watched it, and it was really compelling. Oh. Like, he talks yeah. about how weird some of the characters are and how they're designed. And, like, they look so goofy and, you know, maybe even objectively stupid on the surface. And then, the, and then One Piece is like, here's their backstory. And you're like, thanks, I'm crying now. You made a man dressed up as a baby emotionally compelling. Like, Zoro's is so sad. Yeah. Well, and oh. Super Eyepatch Wolf is a fantastic YouTuber. He actually has an entire series on JoJo's. Really? Like, yeah, he, he's talked about the first five parts um, and why you should watch them. They're fantastic. I would absolutely, if you've never... They get they get a little spoilery, but um, but if you've never watched it, like they are a great resource to kind of get you into JoJo's for sure. But yeah, I've just I've loved this entire month getting to sit down with you guys and really just talk about anime. It's been a requested topic and a requested genre on the podcast for a while now. Um, John, you and me talked about like John actually like texted me one night after listening to an episode he's like hey man if you're ever doing like an anime or a manga episode like i want to be on it and i'm like done 
And now here we are, like, we're all talking about something that we all have, like, we all have our own experiences, we all have our own expertise, we all have our own, like, passions going into. And I think it's really cool that all of us have, like Dustin said, these different experiences getting into anime, the kind of anime that we like, the kind of anime that we gravitate towards. And that's just really a, um, it's, it's a prime example of, like, how this genre can be so engrossing and it can really bring people together for sure i also think it's really cool that um you know i feel like it's really clear all of our which all of our like top picks were because you know i definitely at least for me i felt like going through like four through um two i mean five through two god i don't know um, you know, like it was like, I like this one because of X, you know, like here's some objective quality to it that is like entertaining or thought provoking or fun or meta, you know, and then like getting to number one and being like, oh, well here, I've never sat down and talked about why I enjoy Neon Genesis Evangelion so much. And now I get that it's a lot of me relating to to the material. And it felt like everybody's number one pick was somewhere in that vein, you know? Absolutely. A huge part of Yu Yu show for me was like finding a character where I was like, oh, he comes from a, bra- a background that has not prepared him to emotionally deal with his problems. Okay, I know what that's like. And like getting, <laughs> getting to be able to like find these characters and like, you know, them finding different people in your friend group. Like I know on multiple occasions, I've looked at somebody and I'm like, oh, that's my Vegeta. Or like, oh, that's my Kuwabara. Like, there are specific... Kanan's, Kanan's my Usopp. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, and, finding, and finding, like, these characters and finding things that you relate to and also that, like, other people relate to is really cool because no one is going to view or experience an anime the same way. Like, my experience with JoJo's is not going to be the same as John's. John's experience with One Piece is not going to be the same as Dustin's, so on and so forth. And so, like, it's so... God, it's so cool. I I, I could keep talking about anime for, like, 12 days. (laughs) The 12 days of anime? What's the next episode? (laughs) We've done the round table. Where's the round square? I mean the square. Where's the square table? I mean the damn it! I messed up my own joke. Where's the square table? And the rectagon table. Where is the round square? And the polyhedral table. (laughs) But honestly, guys, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for doing this series, and thanks for coming back and doing the full roundtable discussion on your favorite anime. I was really worried I wouldn't have anything interesting to say, but. You know, <laughs> you surprised you even out. yourself. <laughs> I too so, am Midoriya. No, <laughs> so, um, that's it for uh, for anime. Um, once again, thank you to all of the wonderful and fantastic guests that came on. This was a blast. Um, these guys came on for the, to the podcast for the first time. This is their introduction to the podcast, and I hope to have them on uh, many times going forward. So um, next next week, we're jumping into... God, it's going to be... It's June already. June is next week, and we are just rolling on through this summer through the uh, Geeksplained quarantine saga so uh look forward to um some non-anime content next week 
Same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for Geek Explained, this is Eric Azana. Kanan Orion Bachtel. John Clinton Noble. Oh, God. Dustin Wayne Reefer. Wayne's your middle, middle name? Middle names, I know. That's fantastic. Wayne, Wayne's your middle name? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you next time. Come on board and bring along all your hopes and dreams. It's one piece. <laughs> Wait, if but that's first, not the that's if... not the first opening. The first opening is uh Iowa Set Sail for One Piece It's the name of the treasure <laughs> No On the Grand Line. No, don't even, don't even think about that oh. one. <laughs> You're right, that is a bop.